Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is Mindful Mayhem. I'm so glad you guys are with me tonight. I've got a big show planned. This is the Hall of Fame roundtable that I've advertised on Twitter over the past week. This is a little something I have put together purely for your entertainment. It goes for about 30 seconds. So today on Mining for Mayhem, we have, as I said before, our Hall of Fame roundtable. And joining me on our roundtable, we first of all have Val. Val, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I uh, just heard that intro. Badass. <laughs> it's going to get people hot, that's for sure, especially with that song over the Hall of Fame. And I can, I can... also today, I, so... I have... Stephen from the El Toro podcast. Stephen, how are you? Hey, man. How's it going? Long time, bro. It has been. It's you been. That, it, that intro song makes me uppercut a punk ass, you know? It's like, I, I, I feel like I got to get in the ring and uppercut, like, you know, Brock Lesnar, for example. I'd probably die afterwards, but hey, it's worth the effort. Hey, when Lesnar falls, legends rise. Exactly. <laughs> Saying there's one thing about that particular theme song, that song will like be burnt into my memory, the Hall of Fame song, because I got demonetized on YouTube and they, the WWE own my WrestleMania 2018 whole live stream because of that song. So uh, that's my legend rising. Right. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's. It is such a good song, though. Like, I actually downloaded the song, and I've had it on repeat for about four hours today just listening to it. And really, like, inspiration the music, isn't it? It's like, it's like I'm, ready, I'm ready to do the dishes every time I hear that music. It's like it just, like, raises me from my bed. I'm just like, oh, actually, I feel like I could do it. You know, I'm happy. And if there's one good thing to come out of the Saudi show, it's that song. I agree. But yeah. we're not here to talk about Saudi Arabia. We're here to discuss everything Hall of Fame from the current inductees to past inductees to future inductees to never will be inducted. So what we'll do, we'll start off with the current um, inductees going in this year. So the biggest one that's caused the most talk is the Bella Twins. How are we feeling there? Should they go in? Should they not be going in? Is it too early? Where are we at with this? Um, well, 
like I'll jump in. I I so like this has been a very interesting topic to discuss on Twitter, mainly because you don't have the characters to say everything you want to. But like my main point with this, and I think that you agree this as well, which is like the Bellas have did bring a lot of people back to wrestling, male and female. They were probably after Cena the first real mainstream crossover stars that got mainstream attention that were able to off the back of that get their own reality tv show which we all watched yeah i watched it in the beginning because i was really intrigued to find out how much of it would be kayfabe and mm-hmm. like then i realized 90 percent of it seemed that it was except for they just didn't tell eva marie but like because <laughs> um, that's what it felt like but it was they did that and yes you know like people might say that they they kind of you know that they 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 hooked on to you know shooting stars and they but they didn't you know someone like brie brie got together with daniel Bryan where he was literally nothing in the wwe and she was there for him and and nikki at the same token yeah you know obviously she went for cena that didn't work out and now she's got someone else, and that's you know that's all seems like it's all all right. The main though is, if it wasn't for the Bellas, I don't think that the women's division would have got as much of a say and as much of like because they wanted to wrestle. You could tell they wanted to wrestle, and that was uh, almost like a change from the generation that had gone before them, the generation of models within the Divas era. So. Yeah. Um, I think they kind of just bridged it. They just bridged it. And that that's why I think they should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. What about you, Stephen? Well, before I actually get into, you know, the, the whole Bella Twins and their legacy and whether or not I think they should go into the Hall of Fame, if you don't mind, I'd like to, you know me, I'm a history buff. And I try to do as best as I can with whatever little knowledge I have to talk about some of the history of the people in professional wrestling. So if that's okay with you, I'd like to actually start off with who was the first woman in the Hall of Fame ever inducted, which was Moolah, the fabulous Moolah. She was inducted in, I believe it was 1995. And then there was a huge hiatus between 95 and 2006 when the next woman who was inducted into the Hall of Fame was Sherry Martell. Keep track of the resume, guys, because there's a lot more coming for this. After Sherry Martell was inducted in 2006, the next woman, two years later, was Mae Young. And two years later after that was Wendy Richter. Then we go into, I guess, Muddy Waters, because after that is like 2011, Sonny, but Tamara Stinch or Tammy Lee Stinch, whichever one you'll prefer. Two years after that, it was Trish Stratus. Then the following year, it was Lita. The year after that, in 2015, to me, it her name is Medusa. I don't care what the WWE says. They, she got inducted as Alundra Blaze. To me, she's always been Medusa. She will always be Medusa. Fuck the name Alundra Blaze. Well, I think then after that... Championship into the bin. Alundra Blaze came back 
all happy and smiley about it. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah, but she did point out in her induction speech, Medusa, guys. So it was like saying, oh, yeah, that's badass. She made sure <laughs> she got in the Medusa name in there one way or another. Sure. Uh, let's see. That was 2015. 2016, Jacqueline. 2017, Beth Phoenix. 2018, Lisa Moretti, also known as <coughs> Ivory. And 2019, two women were inducted. It was Tori Wilson and Luna Vachon. Oh, so, damn. Realized yeah. that, actually. Yeah, well, Luna Vachon got inducted into the legendary section. So she was not featured, but she was inducted into the Hall of Fame as a featured legend. That's like something new that they started doing like about a couple of years ago. So if you keep track of all the names, excluding two of them, you see the history of professional wrestling as a whole when it comes to women in professional wrestling. So for me to bring the Bella Twins in right now, Do they deserve to go into the Hall of Fame? Yes. Do they deserve to go in right now? No. Here's the reason why. Before they bring in the Belafant, I mean, it's, it, it's done. It's over with. Let's get over with. But here's the reason why I think that they shouldn't have been going in right now. There's a lot of other women who have trailblazed women in professional wrestling that should have gone in first. One of the big ones, obviously, China. Yes, she was inducted as a part of a group with Degeneration X, but she should be inducted as her own, as China, the ninth oh, wonder of the world. I mean, uh, I would, I would 100% agree with that, but I think the problem with China is probably going to be the problem that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on in this with mm -hmm. some of the people that end up going in there. But sorry, sorry. Yeah, so China, yeah. definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, Bull Nagano. This might be before your time, guys, but Bull Nagano, Japanese wrestler, legendary. She's a freaking legend in Japan. She competed for the WCW. She once competed she, several times back in the 80s, early 70s. Um late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s, competed for the WWF at the time. Bill Nagano was terrifying. A great grappler. Amazing and strong style. Excellent technical wrestler. You have Aja Kong. The legendary Aja Kong, who as we all know is currently a part of the AEW roster. Again, this is probably before your time, guys, but in the late 1980s, you had the trailblazing tag team of the Jumping Bomb Angels to consist mm -hmm. of Norio Tateno and Itsuki Yamagasi. I, I do I remember that. Their names. Yeah. I'm sorry? Well, the Jumping I do remember Bomb. that. It was before my time, but I have seen a documentary on it. Mm -hmm. They were great tag team Japanese wrestlers during that entire time personally and they I forgot who they beat in one of the pay-per-views but they actually won the women's 
WWF Tag Team Championships at that time. And obviously, you have the likes of Molly Holly, everything that she's done in the business. You have Michelle McCool, definitely deserves to be a part, to be inducted before the Bellas. Not a lot of people know about this one, too, but in the, in the mid to late 80s, she was probably one, rated one of the greatest women wrestlers of all time, who also worked at All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling, Manami Toyota. You obviously can't deny the fact that in front of all of these, most of these, Miss Elizabeth. And also you I, have the likes of Layla and Maurice. See, so, I mean, I was going to say that I think, you know, you talked about that gap, that mm-hmm. big gap of time. Mm-hmm. I think that I would probably put that down to, and again, I'm speculating, but based on what most of the general accounts have been, Moolah wasn't very sharing of the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, I think that it would probably be more of her that said, no one's going in after me until I want them to go in. And I think that it probably got to a point when the women on their own were becoming so um, popular that it was time for them to go in. But I find it very interesting that you said it was Moolah, wasn't it? Moolah's the one that won it in 95. She was the first woman to be inducted in 1995 and then that huge gap between 95 and 2006. Yep. Of course you would, because how are you going to carny that out for about another few years on the independent scene? I am the only woman and the first woman in the WWE Hall of Fame, the fabulous Moolah. I'll be your WWE Women's Champion next week. Like, I think that I, I totally agree with the one thing that I think that we can all agree with is the Bellas deserve to be in there. But, I mean, there's someone that if we're going on, like, Tori was inducted based on her um, her like accomplishments in uh, in professional wrestling as a general, not necessarily as the best worker in the world, but as mm-hmm. the total package. I mean, there's a name that we're forgetting there, Stacey Keebler, who came into the company, mm-hmm. and I would say that she is as deserving someone else who came in um, not knowing a lot from WCW, just hired to essentially be a model in WCW, came in and learnt her craft. And, you know, she took bumps. She took pretty sick bumps. Like, she was, she was, not, she was not afraid to, to mix it up. And she was... You could... Like, obviously, she left at the height of her career. But someone like her, I'm always very surprised at that name, not being closer to Vince's lips. I mean, obviously next year, they're going to Hollywood. And Hollywood, maybe that's when you pull her sexy Keebler out, because maybe that's when she brings her ex-boyfriend with her, possibly. But like, talk about Kloontang. But like, um, I think that like, it's really, it's a really hard kind of thing to put into words, like the, the amount of, the amount of, uh, like, I can't think of a word now. The amount that women brought to professional wrestling, and like, so for example, I'm doing this um, series at the moment on TNA. Part of it is that we're talking about it from the beginning, and TNA had TNA girls. Now, 
as a young teenage vivarious foul. Like, I was very excited about these women that were dancing in cages in between the matches. Looking back at it now, though, I'm like, goddamn, like, what was this? Like, this was, this was, like, and even the TNA girls as well, and it's something that I remember was that the first bit of nudity on uh, TNA was because they they like rigged it so that one of the TNA girls was in the ring and they had like a little tussle and then her top came off and oh no, her boobs. And I remember thinking like, oh no, that's extreme. And like, we've come to a point now where women are kind of looked at in a different merit and looked on as wrestlers first. If they're hot, they're hot as well. That's great. But they looked as wrestlers first, which is such a refreshing change, Mm -hmm. which is probably why people are so pissed that the Bellas are going in, but especially now, because I agree with you, I think people like Molly Holly deserve to go in next. Like, mm. Molly Holly being inducted by Beth Phoenix at this year's WrestleMania, you know, with Edge competing at WrestleMania as well, let's say. That's, that, and even Beth competing at WrestleMania, that's the kind of Hall of Fame that you would really want to go to because you think, you know, this is a woman that paid a dues, that a woman that fought so hard to have a women's match at WrestleMania that she agreed to have her head shaved because she knew that Vince wouldn't put a match, a women's match on that WrestleMania unless it was gimmicked up. So she's like, fine, I'll have my head shaved, make it a hair versus title match and I will shave my head. Like that's how much she cared about wrestling. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm glad, and I'm really glad that you brought up Stacy Keebler, because yes, I I love Tori Wilson. I I have been a huge supporter of Tori Wilson, but did I believe that Tori Wilson deserved to go in, like at the time that she did? No, I figured this year would have probably been a good year for her to go in, and last year Stacy Keebler would have been a person to have gone in. And the difference between the two, even though they came around the same time. Stacy Keebler, as you pointed out, did have a little bit of wanting to learn about the business, and she did learn about the business when she was in the WCW power plant. So she did already have that sort of wrestling understanding before she even came into the WWE, whereas Tori Wilson learned on the job with the likes of, you know, Dave Finley, John Laurinaitis, and Billy Kidman while she was already in the WWE. And I think that I think that happened around when she was in OVW or FCW. I can't remember which time it was when we had the, you know, the developmental territory. Because I know we first had FCW, which is where the Bellas trained and originally came from. And then we went to Ohio Valley Wrestling. And then now what we have of NXT. I mean, there was a, there's a very interesting point about, like like women in the Hall of Fame as well. And I think it's something which, like, there's something that Stephanie McMahon said a long time ago, and I always kind of come back to this. And, like, and I don't want this to be taken the wrong way because it can be probably misconstrued. But when it comes to certain things that the WWE do, um, she spoke about philanthropy being the new PR. And I always kind of... Any time that there's a decision made by the WWE, I look at it now and I go, okay, where's the PR from this? Like, what what is to gain from this? 
I think Stacy said no to them several times. I think that's what's probably happened, is that she's gone, nah, I'm all right, thanks. I'm not going to Saudi. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I'm, I'm happy with my life outside of professional wrestling now. Like, and so now I look at, like, anything that happens to, like, putting someone, like, the putting people at the Bellas in. Like, there was always, there's always going to be those celebrity you know, like those people that like you could build the Hall of Fame on, and the Bellas are those people, like because they do. They, you know, they they were so loved that the show that was based on the division that they were in had a spin-off based on them. Like that's that's like showing how entertaining and how engaging you are with the crowd. I mean. We can say whatever we can about the two's ambitions and stuff, but mm-hmm. that's all besides the point. End of the end of the day, like Brie Bella, I think would still be wrestling right now. Yes, uh, if if what had happened, you know, and like because you could tell it was a knock to a com, and that's I think that's why, and it's at that point that I started looking at this all differently. It's because Brie wasn't even really ready to come back, and she came back. And you know some botches happened here and there, and you know, but but goddamn, she took some botches, like she took some t- kicks to the head of her own, like you know, she the bot there was that botch when she went out for the Topa Suicida, and you know she like accordioned. She yep. was in more danger of being injured there and being paralyzed than the person that she was landing on. Mm-hmm. That's and like and that's what I used to compare it between her and other people, like. She was obviously trying, and I think a lot of what professional wrestling is, if anything else, it's the confidence, and it's the confidence to, you know, you do a Canadian Destroyer, yeah, if you say I don't want to do that partway through, you're both done, yeah. We saw that essentially at Super Showdown with the the jackhammer. That's (laughs) what happened. You could see it. Bray's like, ah, oh, this I ain't gonna make. I ain't gonna make. I gonna. You know what? No, I'm not going. And then Goldberg's like, no, you are coming. And then realizes he can't lift him. And that's when they had that weird jackhammer situation. Luckily, it didn't. You know, nothing bad happened there. But it happens all the time. And I think that all of the negative attention that was immediately put onto Bree and Daniel Bryan said it. You know, he said correctly. He was like. You know, leave my, li- leave my wife alone. And the amount of, like, anger and vitriol that she was getting for almost injuring herself. <laughs> like, that's what I thought was the most interesting about it all. Um, but but of all of that, I don't think someone like, like China is going to go in anytime soon other than the token way that they brought her in. Because... In this new era where the WWE potentially could end up airing their programming on ESPN Plus, probably don't want to push anything that is outside of the, you know, like how many, just off the top of my head, other than Sonny, how many people before they got the Hall of Fame started to do things the WWE wouldn't like massively? I mean, like, it seems like Vince can forgive quite a lot, but looks like he just can't forgive someone that's pissed off his daughter, even if they're not about anymore. That's what it feels like. 
Um, and it's a shame. Uh, it really is a shame because there are so many more. I'd like to see more women on there. You know, like it doesn't necessarily have to be the one woman token spot. Like you should right. open it up a little bit more. And I think that's that's what would make it better. But like, who else would you? Who else would you think could go in before the Bellas that you know would have the same impact? That's what. Right. Here's one for you. I was on the um, phone to one of my mates um, that comes from a different or one of the towns I used to live in, and like he's real hot on the Bellas going, and he's fuming over it. He's like, they don't deserve it, and he's been the biggest Bellas fan forever. But now mm-hmm. that they've been inducted, he's raid in a bit of rage over and he's like why haven't they inducted kelly kelly and i even said to him as much as i love kelly kelly what has she done compared to the bellas i mean she did fantastic cm punk cosplay (laughs) yeah very true but yeah but cm punk is another reason probably why <laughs> <laughs> yeah like if you just start going back no, actually you know what you're right because what's the first thing that they tend to do yeah when uh they do the video package for like for a new wrestler well this is how they were introduced this is kelly kelly she was essentially a stripper but we couldn't call her a stripper so we called her an exhibitionist and we were on sci-fi we were trying to bring up ratings so like the majority of her like highlight reel is going to be her in the extreme expose or that like the striptease, the one striptease that Vince taught her. Like, you know, like, oh, and I still, every single time I think of that in my head as well, it's Vince McMahon teaching Kelly Kelly how to strip. Like, I'm just, like, just, no, I just, just, I just finished listening to that podcast from Bruce Pritchard where he was in the room when Vince was trying to show her how to do the striptease. I swear, I swear to everything that is holy and mighty. I was on my way into work. This was probably about eight o'clock in the freaking morning. I am laughing my ass off in the train. People are wondering what the hell is wrong with him. I could not stop laughing. (laughs) And I can picture that whole thing, too. I can literally see him. Yeah, and I can imagine it's like. It's like I can see him seeing himself doing the striptease. And you know the gif, you know, the the really impressed Vince McMahon gif, yeah. And he's like, yeah. oh, and it's like Stacy. I can imagine him seeing himself, yeah, doing, you know, that dance from Tuesday Night Titans, yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. the striptease. Yeah, that's the striptease. Oh, wow. Like he's just there. Yeah, that's the striptease, yeah. He's pulling off layers of clothing, pushes his butt out a few times, and he's like, That's what you gotta do, Kelly. You gotta go out there. Sorry, that's what you gotta do, Kelly. You gotta go out there, you gotta shake it, shake it. And then, like, I just see him. Like, I just, I just imagined this whole pictured scene in my mind, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> him just looking over at Bruce. Bruce, do you like this? <laughs> like, just, oh my god! The whole thing. But what I love is that he took the time to teach an eighteen-year-old girl how to do a striptease because she wasn't doing it right. Like, I just have this. It's like that's just like a microcosm of the micromanagement that like that he always put onto everything like he couldn't let it lie he couldn't just say go out there and dance he's like no you have to dance exactly like this 
and I, that's why I have this vision of him just putting on her outfit because obviously he's got to get all the movements correct as well. So, like, oh god, yeah. now now I'm gonna have nightmares. You just did. You just yeah. did not say Vince McMahon wearing the outfit that Kelly Kelly would have been wearing to teach her to do the striptease. Uh, I mean, please how, tell me. How, La, how la, are you gonna la, get? La, 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 no, how no, are you gonna la, get clasp la, la, work la. going on? Yeah, what if they were? I'm assuming, if I remember correctly from the footage, it was a front scene, not a back scene. How's she gonna know that unless he shows her? You know, all these little things. Damn it! Uh, I'm gonna have nightmares. Thanks a freaking yeah. lot. <laughs> it's all right. Going <laughs> back to before, speaking of getting heat, another name that is in, in the Hall of Fame that should be one of the greatest. Managers at getting heat, Vicky Guerrero. It's very true. It's very true. I cannot believe I actually missed that one. That's a good I mean, call. I, how, I, sorry. how is Vicky Guerrero not in the Hall of Fame? I mean, excuse me? Uh, I said excuse me. I think it's the whole <laughs> AEW situation, isn't it? Like, it must be. It's got to be. Like, I know that, like, wh- I don't know if Vicky's actually released the podcast where she speaks about what's happened, but essentially she was at AEW's dark and she was on the on the rampway. She said some, like, she was doing some podcast recordings with some AEW superstars, and then she got on the, uh, the entranceway, she said some stuff. After that point, apparently Vince has taken um, her ability to bring WWE superstars onto the show, like away from her straight away. So she can't have WWE people on there anymore. Um, and who was it when uh, had a bit of tirade of it on uh, Facebook? Uh, uh, Billy Graham, superstar Billy Graham, who's always for some reason yeah, getting himself involved in these things. The superstar Billy Graham is all like, that's terrible, you know. The, like the man gave his life for your company and then you can't keep her in a job and let her make money like it feels a little bit disingenuous from billy graham but i can again this feels like we have just seen yeah a super showdown like, obviously this has been recorded after super showdown we have just seen vince mcmahon with the ultimate yeah the ultimate attitude adjustment f you ultimate f you to the whole of his audience here, yeah, watching around the world, and be like, hey, see this guy Goldberg? Remember last time when he needed to kill The Undertaker? Guess what? He's your, your champion. Like, um, I'm still kind of, like, feeling from it, but that's the kind of stuff that Vint does. Like, you know, in, in the live chat when we were watching it, a watch-along, people are like, Vince is a, a petty, petty man. And I'm like, he is, isn't he? He's a pet. He's just like, screw it. Everyone told me the fiend has to win. So, god damn it, he's going to lose. <laughs> and just like that vision of Bray Wyatt in the back with his mask on, probably crying under the mask, going, for God's sake, yeah. Like, I did good this time. What the hell does he want from me? <laughs> like, luckily, the mask hides all the tears. And then he goes out there and loses to Goldberg. Ugh. So that that is my belief as to why Vicky's probably not in there. Like, it feels crap though, doesn't it? Like, doesn't it feel like? Doesn't it feel like it would be nice? Because did Vicky, you know, when Eddie was um, is in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? Yes, yes. Vicky, Vicky and it, um, her kids came out, didn't they? Mm-hmm. To 
Oh. So, and on the on the general of that as well, I mean, a lot of people speak ill of Vince a lot, but he didn't have to get Vicky a job. Like, mm-hmm. after Eddie, like, he didn't have to. He didn't yeah. have to give her, or, you know, she obviously she killed it. Yeah, she was amazing out there. She just, you know, absolutely pitch perfect every single time. But a lot of people... Said it was meant to be a six-month gig or something like that, and it turned out to be a six-year gig. Yeah, six years. I mean, how many people like would you think? Um, like, because just then again, as a like general, you work at a company, and somebody dies on the job at your company. If then a loved one comes to work for you. It would feel like in most businesses it would probably be a conflict of interest. It would probably be like, I don't want to give them a job here because what if X, Y, or Z? But she did, you know, she did amazingly at it. Um, Shaul Guerrero, the daughter, uh, her their daughter, she's going, she's married to Aiden English now, isn't she? Is Aiden English? Um, and mm. like, she trained in, she trained in FCW, didn't she? So she trained in FCW as Shaul. Um, and she was also down at um, Lucha Underground. She yep. was, wasn't she? I saw she that. Was, she was in the very last episode, and she replaced Melissa Santos, and then it just never came back. Yeah, I felt really bad because she was in there and she was talking about like how happy she was. And I remember seeing this gif of her, and she was like, "I'm so happy to be like able to wrestle again and stuff and do stuff." And then yeah, like the discovery just gone <laughs> straight away. Like it took a long time for those people to get their their stuff back. There's still people on Lucha Underground contracts, so they all done now, aren't they? All the Lucha Underground contracts. Mm, I was gonna say they're not bringing that back, are they? Well, I think that was the major issue was like people signed on for five seasons of it, but they didn't specify when the seasons would be made. And I think in their mind, they thought, well, this is a good gig, isn't it? I've got five years of guaranteed work. And then in the end, it was like Lucha Underground didn't want them to go and work for the people because they weren't sure when they do their next show, which was kind of a vicious cycle then. Um like there was a very similar company over here in the UK called um, Five Star Wrestling. Five Star Wrestling lasted five episodes and they were all hilarious. But um, from that, we got um, Zach, uh, Zach Gibson. Zach Gibson went on that show and just chewed all the scenery, uh, all of it. And you could just tell you, I was watching the show. I was like, this guy's a star, yo. Like this, everyone else, yeah, whatever. This guy is amazing. And the show went five weeks. He left after the third week. Like, he just left. And then the next thing we knew, he was in NXT UK. Like, because Triple H was obviously just sitting there watching TV going, well, that's a good guy. I'll take him. I'll take him. I'll take him. Because I think um, loads of people that you'd recognize in NXT UK, like the Pages brothers were on there, the uh, the UK hooligans, um, who were actually really good. Um, But yeah, it folded after like, five weeks um but, but yeah uh i'm really surprised at the vicky guerrero thing like just just as a token like you know like how actually that's a question how long was how long ago was this that was 2004 wasn't it 2004 2005 when eddie died 
it was the year before. It's year before. Two thousand and five, I believe, or was it two thousand and six? I saw Eddie live um, when he turned on Rey Mysterio um, in his tag team. That was two thousand. Mm. 2005. He passed away November 13, 2005. I cannot believe I remember that. God damn. Because it was it was it was like a few it was like a couple of weeks after my birthday, and my birthday's on the fourth. And I remember being like extremely devastated when I heard the news. So it was in 2005. God damn. So like, so I'm just trying to work out. So this, you know what? Yeah, this year would be like the 15th anniversary. It would have made sense to put her in this year. Mm. That's what I'm saying. I was like, is this like a significant year? Maybe they're going to wait for the 20 year anniversary. But like, yeah, it would make a lot of sense. Um, and I, I don't know when. I, I, and again, I think this is a Vince thing. But I think anyone in his mind now who is sniffing around AEW is sniffing around for a job. Like when Taz was on dark like straight away i was like he's going to aew that's his that's his audition for him and for them Mm -hmm. like they're gonna see what he's like and he was killing it with uh with excalibur and i was like oh my god like like riding a bike and then the next week and he's like oh yeah yeah i'm not signed with them i'm just gonna just be here every now and then oh i'm close down my podcast don't worry about it don't worry about it like nothing's happening nothing's happening the next week i'm signing my contract live on aew he's like oh yeah don't worry about it like i'm not really signing with them like it's just a whole thing yeah like and i think that now uh especially now vince is worried like and you know he doesn't have the time i think that with all these like last few things he can do until the xfl because we all obviously thought that the xfl happened he'd gone It'd be like like a dot, but he's not. He's still <laughs> hanging around, still going to Saudi. God damn it! Like I think as long as his body still has air within it, he will continue to meddle. And like that's just I think that's part of building something like that as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, not to sidebar on this, but uh, no, you're absolutely right. As long as Vince is still breathing and he still has a say i mean he can't touch nxt that's the agreement that he has with uh, paul levesque triple h so he doesn't even give a he, he didn't, he's got a pocket full of fucks this is how this is the best description i can describe vince mcmahon he's got several pockets full of fuck when it comes to nxt he doesn't give one <laughs> he really doesn't his babies are Raw, SmackDown, and that's it. And the pay-per-views. Well, I was going to say... He has a buttload of writers. I know one of them personally. He's going to remain anonymous because I, he, he's, my, he, he's my friend for a reason. And there, there's like a shitload of writers. Now, obviously, you have uh, Paul Heyman as the head writer of... I think, what is it now? Um, Raw? Raw. And you have Bruce yeah. Pritchard. Uh, the main head writer of SmackDown. And being head writers, being head of creative, you still have a team of at least anywhere between 15 and 20 people for each brand. Sometimes some of them go back and forth between both brands. 
you're paying all of these people just to, you know, sit down, toss out the toss out the ideas in your head, write them down, and then Vince comes by, sees it. If he doesn't like it, he tears it up and he writes his own shit. I want to be paid the amount of money those writers are being paid just to have my shit ripped up. <laughs> it would be the best poop I take while getting paid and not doing literally shit. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sorry. That's just a sidebar on my behalf. But yes. Uh, well, what's that? I was going to say... Was... Sorry, 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 man. Yeah, I was going to say, one thing I want to add to that, you said he doesn't give a shit about NXT, but surely he would have cared when um, they're showing that footage of Adam Cole bleeding after he's just won his match with um, Gargano, and then suddenly they cut to a shot of Britt Baker. Speaking of which, she's a doctor, you know. Mm -hmm. Yep. But yeah, surely he would have or not seeing an AEW wrestler on WWE TV. Sure. He did, though. He did. He went ballistic, but there was nothing that he could do. This was an actual phone conversation that Triple H had with the whole... Uh, he does one of these a week, I think. And it was brought up about... Yeah, it's like, though, we... Uh, the, we want, we understand, yeah, we understand Britt is with uh, with AEW, and he actually specifically said AEW in the phone conversation, and he says, but at the end of the day, uh, wrestlers have lives, and this is the person, and Britt is actively dating Adam Cole, and she was really concerned for his safety and his life, and they just panned out to her, and it's just the nature of the business and it is what it is mm. but wonder... when they actually spoke to him off record he did said yeah uh, vince wasn't too happy about it but this is this is not this is not his show yeah. again adam cole it's supposed from from what i've heard um is that he's on main event he's on main roster money He's on main roster money to be on NXT, so maybe Vince has got a little bit more of a vested interest, or maybe he's, or maybe even Adam Cole's got a bit more of a kind of well, who cares? You pay me this much, what you want me to do? Stay at home, like, like it's it's a very weird balancing act there. Like I wouldn't talking about like you know just being paid to get all your stuff ripped up and everything. Like, mm-hmm. is there a disciplinary system there? Then like because. If in th- if you were really shit at your job, yeah, and if every single day your boss came up and went like, "Oh my god, that's terrible," yeah, at some point, <laughs> like either you or him are gonna go, "This ain't working, is it?" Like, is it? like so, it's not really gonna be you as the employee because you've got your dream job in it. Like, you're you're working, you know, for a company that you've always wanted to work for. Like, is there some kind of like, are they? Are they turned over really fast? Like I used to work in uh, retail stuff, so are they like retail turnover? Is it like, like you see one walk in and then they just like hand the pen to the next one as they walk in and walk out? <laughs> just like here you go. I think the We've only got... person they actually did that with was with, with poor Eric Bischoff. Man, that, that that was really a totally fucked up thing what they did to him. The guy basically moved out to Connecticut to actually write the shows for SmackDown and SmackDown was already like going downhill at that point when they hired him and they, they just needed a scapegoat to get rid of him. But 
But I like again, I digress. So no, dude, you, I felt... know, you know somebody else who we missed out on the list? Like three women that came to mind just as we were talking about it when you mentioned TNA. Uh, Victoria. Yeah, Victoria's not Tara. Tara mm. in, uh, in TNA. And one of my personal favorites, and I cannot wait to meet her one day, Gail Kim. Going to say Gail Kim. Gail Kim. Say, Gail Kim will never go in based on her views of the WWA in yeah. base. Yeah, like yeah. I think it's her interview with Chris Van Fleet. Actually, she basically says it all on how she feels. She doesn't hold back, and I think mm-hmm. whether it's her feelings on WWE that she won't accept it or Vince won't accept it, but she she will never go in. So it will never go in shame. because of one person, because of Vince. Vince I don't is think a petty motherfucker. I don't. But like, think about like the Bruno thing, like the Bruno Sammartino thing. It's like I hate Vince. I hate Vince. I hate Vince. And then all you say was this boy Paul. He came to me and he's a good guy. Like that's all he did after that point. Yeah. Like I think though that with that Gail. So I I did a show based on what she spoke about because she put a tweet out saying you know like how he doesn't like Asian wrestlers whatsoever now as a as a person who has part oriental blood in them don't ask but i've got part oriental blood in me a part of that yeah like i have some family that are um uh they're they're asian so they're like pakistani but they came from pakistani south african kind of stuff but they came she her family came from um uh from china and mm-hmm. so she speaks Cantonese. All the kids are essentially mixed race, but we don't really like say that. So it's like, you know, they're just my cousins. But um, I remember like the way that my aunt would talk about this. Like she could speak perfect Cantonese, perfect English as well. But she talked about how some of her family who didn't look, who looked more Chinese, um, they specifically used to get like um, targeted. Um, when they were in the UK. Gail Kim said that Asian people, Vince doesn't understand them. He doesn't understand how people could be attracted to them. Like he said one she said one specific thing in the interview, yeah. And I'm gonna remember laughing so hard, which is people had to explain to Vince McMahon that there was a subset of pornography specifically for Asian women and Asian men, that there was like a, a sector of society, you know, like countries worth, continents worth of people that found women that weren't Caucasian attractive. He couldn't like fathom that whatsoever. And Gail Kim, I said, you know, in that interview, as well, the Chris Van Vliet interview, he said many times that she, she, she said it, and I don't want to because lit, it's litigious, but she said it many times more than I have that he's not. He has certain issues, and she doesn't like those. She doesn't know if those are based on him being innately that way or if it's a generational thing. But, yeah, she is not... like. I think that she would have to... It would be a very power struggly thing. She said some very bad things about the WWE. You know, like, money can, money can help you cross many bridges, but she's, she's quite wealthy already. She doesn't need that. I think she's one of the only people, one of the only people I think in the world right now, other than say like Punk and Cena, they've got like, and Hogan to an extent, that have got 
they've got kiss my ass Vince money. Like they they they've got that money. Like they don't need it. They don't even want it. They'd rather be the outlier. Like they'd rather be the person that's like ah, I don't want to be in it. But yeah, um, yeah Gail Kim. Um, another name that's highly talked about, who everyone believes should have been in by now, is Christian. Mm-hmm. Any theories as to why he might not be in yet? Should he be in? Should he? Is there a reason why you think he shouldn't? Uh, well, let me go first on that one. So, yeah. do I think he deserves to actually be in there now? Yes, he's he's done definitely a lot with this Captain Charisma stuff. A lot of the stuff that he did with Edge, his solo runs uh, as champion. The reason why I don't think he is going to be going anytime soon is the same reason that I believe why somebody like the Brooklyn Brawler isn't going to be in the Hall of Fame anytime soon. Because Vince has always seen Christian as a mid-carder, somebody who in his own words, didn't have enough charisma who never actually went to go get the brass ring. And between the pairing of Edge and Christian, he always saw Edge as the one who had the it factor. Uh, Which I think is kind of fucked up because I always thought that they both had the it factor and just somehow Edge just got the push and Christian didn't. If it would have happened the other way around, we would have probably been having the same conversation about Edge. I, yeah. I think that at that time, um, that that Christian and Edge, yeah, they were both at the same level. And I think the second that, because it was Edge that won King of the Ring, wasn't it? And then Christian started to get all like pissy about it, and then he turned on him. If that had been the other way round, I think you're absolutely right, Stephen. Like, I think that you're looking at like. We'd be looking at it in a totally different way. We'd be looking at it like, like I think I don't know if we would have. I think we might have had the same kind of situation where Edge would have put himself through more because he wouldn't have had that chance, you know, like that Christian had. Maybe he would have gone to TNA. Like there's a whole what if, you know, kind of worms from just that one decision way back then because I even in that feud. I felt like Christian was doing better out of it. He was being made to seem like whiny, and I think that's what made everyone hate it away. Because you know, Edge and Christian, right? They're cool guys. If you've got someone that's whining over something because he's lost it and he doesn't feel right about it, and you know, you're turning on your brother and stuff, I can understand. Um, but but like, I loved Christian's time in TNA. I like. As I said, I'm looking back at TNA now, and I cannot wait to get to that night at final. No, it wasn't final resolution. That was Angle. Actually, it might have been final resolution. But that night when we, like, because everybody knew that Christian was going to be there, yeah. Like, Christian had turned up on Taboo Tuesday the week before in like, you know, in a vote which he lost to Shane, uh, Shawn Michaels. I can remember that. And like, then he turns up on Sunday, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, it's Christian." Cage, and I was like, "Oh wow!" I was like, "They're gonna get to call him Christian here as well." Like, mm-hmm. like 
everything was just perfect. Like, can you just imagine that? Vince thought so little of him that he didn't even trademark. Like, I think he trademarked Christian, hadn't he? But he hadn't trademarked Christian Cage. So then he just turns up as Christian Cage and people start calling him Christian again. And I was like, that's so smart. Because Vince, you took his name away and he gave it back to himself. Like, exactly. He found the loophole. That's the loophole. So Murphy can become like Buddy Murphy, but he has to leave. Probably couldn't become Buddy Murphy though. Probably have to be like acquaintance Murphan or something. Yeah, but like mm. I would, I, w- I would chant for acquaintance Murphan. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I like the this the Christian. I really, really, truly think that he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think that. I think that he'll end up going the way of like a Coco Beware. Like it will be, he'll be there in the class of, he will be one of the names, but he won't be the name of that year. Um, You mean he's not going to be the headliner, but he'll be in as like somebody else going in. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I think that because like, if you were looking at people of his kind of time, I mean, like, like think about it. The people that would probably like just individually or as a t- individually, Jeff Hardy would go into the Hall of Fame before Christian. Individually, I think he would. Um, you know, I, I'll give you that one. I agree with that one. Um, because even though, like Vince, you know, he was happy with the Matt stuff. I don't think he'd want to put in the Hardys first because he's already done that. He'd want to put in Jeff first, get one more quick run out of him, then put the tag team in later. Um, Maybe see what Matt's got to do away from everywhere else. But Jeff going to the Hall of Fame is a no-brainer. I mean, that guy helped to change what wrestling was like. I remember seeing the... um, the documentary, the Ruthless Aggression era documentary, and they were talking about like TLC matches and stuff. And it's like they invented those matches. Like they didn't just make, they invented those matches. Those matches happened because they took bits and pieces from other organizations and then slapped them together into a WWE version and then just went out there and just did whatever they wanted. Um, and they brought a whole tag team dynamic back to wrestling. But Christian, like, I mean, he's always, you know, there's that story about Vince where, like, he wanted Christian to come out and he wanted to put a blue dot on his face. And, like, yep. he wanted to blur his face out because he didn't want to see him because he thinks he looks like a creepy little bastard. Yeah, that was the whole, that was why they were calling him the creepy little bastard for a bit. And I remember thinking, like, that's really unfair. But I've met Christian, yeah. Like when I was younger, face to face, and he has that look about it. <laughs> like he just looks like he's constantly like slightly annoyed. Yeah, that's just mm-hmm. his face, though. <coughs> that's just his face. So I think that it's a little bit unfair that Vince is like, "Oh, I don't like that guy. I don't like his face." Like you hired him, idiot. Like so, like what are you gonna do with him now? And <laughs> like that's such a weird thing to say. Like, all right, I'm happy to hire them. But now I, d- I just I just don't like his face. Like, but imagine if you could do that. Imagine if you could actually get like now he probably could. Yeah, just get like you know a, a, like a blue dot to follow him around and stuff. That'd be quite funny actually. <laughs> I love to I love to see a wrestler take that on. 
like every single week. Like I am the blue dot. I am I am the I am the blue I am the blur. Call him the blur. Alright, so the next one I've got for you isn't so much specifically on one superstar, but more on a group. How do we all feel about the celebrity wing when it comes to the Hall of Fame? Oh, well, Drew Carey, you know, he survived the Royal Rumble in 2000. 2000, wasn't it? He survived it. Um, you know, He brought a lot of eyes to wrestling, did he not? Exactly. Not a lot of eyes. Not a lot of eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. God damn, actually. You've got Rude. Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. You've got Regis Philbin. You've got Maria Menounos is in the celebrity wing. See, that would, that would make sense. Mm. She does the whole red carpet stuff with the WWE. So that one actually makes a little bit more sense. And she's Shaquille been in the... O'Neal. Yeah, that one also makes sense too with his interaction with the big show in the ring. So I don't know if all these names are actually in the Hall of Fame. I think they all are, aren't they? Well, the next, you've got William Shatner. He is, isn't he? Because didn't yep, he, 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 was a guest ho- he was a guest host like several years back and it was because he was going to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Well, next Bob Uecker. Your next two names after William Shatner are Hugh Jackman and Stephen Amell. I know they're not in the Hall of Fame. I they mean, were what? guests, though. Oh, they were guest hosts, weren't they? Mm. No, no, see, all these are not in the Hall of Fame celebrities. That would explain why. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would explain. Then you've got the likes of David Arquette. You know what? Yeah. If anyone deserves to go in the Hall of Fame next year, it's David Arquette. Mm. Yeah, mm, I disagree Hollywood. with that one. It's it's Hollywood, yeah. So that's number one, yeah. So yes, he's not really Hollywood anymore, but he's Hollywood enough. Well, I was like, going to say, what about Stephen, if that's the case, what about Stephen Amell? That's not going to happen. <laughs> like, Probably because I of his really... ties to Cody Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he, it, because it's Cody Rhodes, he's not going to be able to get in there. But Steve Amell, if I put Steve Amell in one side of the ring and David Arquette on the other side of the ring and put them in a match, it's going to be Steve Amell all day. Unless it's a death match. I still, I still wouldn't put him put, put the title on Steve Amell. But if it was between either two of them, I would put it on Steve Amell all day before I ever put it on David Arquette. That's a blemish in the record of the uh, the big gold belt that I would love to have erased of him being champion. No, but this is what I'm saying, yeah. This is why I'd say next year he des- he deserves yeah to be in the Hall of Fame next year. How many people would you say would have something like that happen in the past? Yeah, where normally they'd just be like, "Oh well, it happened." David Arquette, yes, he was filming a documentary, so okay, it was not all done for the goodness of his own heart. But he went back to the Indies, started teaming up with RJ, um, and then had a freaking death match where he, you know, he got stabbed in the neck, he freaked out, he started to like whatever. Like he's he has 
I think, gone on that road of retribution more than anyone ever thought that he... Because he used to be the butt of the joke. And I know that, like, he still is to an extent. But now it's like, oh, you the guy... Uh, it's no longer embarrassment connected to the big gold belt now. The embarrassment is connected to the fact that he started flopping around like a fish when, uh, you know, a piece of glass went into his neck and hit his artery, which, you know, I think that that's understandable. Um, yeah. But David Arquette has been so good. Like last year, this year, I would love him to be able to go to the Hall of Fame, let, let, them, let them throw shit at him, because, of course, it's David Arquette. But maybe start to change that narrative that it was all David Arquette's fault. Because, you know, we all know that story. And it's that David Arquette did not want the championship whatsoever. He specifically said, do not give me the belt. I do not want the belt. And then Vince is like, oh, it's like a prop. And then he goes, okay, fine. And then... You know, in his mind, even he knew, like, even Courtney Cox, Arquette at the time, knew that it was a bad idea. Like, everybody knew it was a bad idea. But for some reason, because David Arquette loves wrestling so much. Again, like, that, you know, put, put that, like, on the other foot. And if David Arquette had gone to the WWF, like, it would have been a different story. Like, WCW was so enamored by wrestlers that they just... Uh, sorry, by celebrities, they did just bring them in, whatever level they were, and just say, just do something. You, do you want to get in the ring? Yeah, go for it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, mm -hmm. and and like, because but now he's gone train everything. Yeah, so I'd say, yo, Arquette, yeah, Hall of Fame next year. I'd put him as like not the headliner, but he'd be like the semi headliner. Or if they were doing the full Hollywood thing, then he's the headliner. Like, oh, unless yeah. they can't, if they can't get Stacy Keebler. Because mm -hmm. just trying to think, because the only other person, obviously, from next year that we haven't even mentioned yet, and it would be a lock, I would think, but I don't think he'd want to just yet because it might make him an old man, is The Rock. Yeah, I was just thinking that, mm -hmm. especially being Hollywood. Because if he, I think that might be, but then again, you know, like, there's things happening in the background. Simone, his daughter, is now in the PC. So theoretically, he might be at WrestleMania next year, just in the back anyway. So he'd be about, you know, like... Mm. Well, another name that's in the Celebrity Wing Hall of Fame is Donald Trump. Next. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Okay. You're so lucky that I live in the UK. We only got to deal with Boris Johnson. Yeah, no, uh, Mr. Uh, Orange Man, uh, with the shit that's come up with him, I'm really surprised that they didn't try to like remove him from the Hall of Fame like they like they did with, with Hulk Hogan. Hogan. Hogan said the N word without being without knowing that he's being recorded. This motherfucker was caught on fucking tape saying. Just grab him by the pussy. And he's in the Hall of Fame and he's the fucking president of the United States. Well, I mean... Explain that shit to me why he's still there. They're not mutually exclusive things. That's what I mean, yeah. It's like, he can be in the Hall of Fame and he doesn't have to be president. But as president, 
ain't no one throwing him out in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he would go to war. <laughs> I could just see him. Like, not just that, but isn't Linda still in the cabinet in like as the small businesses person or whatever? Would he just go, L- L- Linda, what 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 is your husband doing? Oh sorry, I forgot oh. she's a woman. He'd have to oh, he'd yeah. have to say hello to her in a different way. <laughs> just like, yeah. And then he'd go over and be like, hello. And she'd be like, oh, you don't have to do that anymore. And then mm-hmm. say, oh, why am I uh, why am I no longer in the Hall of Fame? Oh, because Vince thought, oh, did he now? Did he? Did he? Did he? All right, all right. Yeah, actually, he could he could just like not let Vince back into the country after like one of the Saudi trips. Like, don't you think it was really interesting yesterday as well? This is a very quick tangent. Yeah, both like, of those two there was a, petty motherfuckers. Imagine that shit. There was a news article that I saw, I think, on WrestleTalk yesterday. And it's really funny. Like, that this is news, but the news was. <laughs> All of the wrestlers from Super Showdown have landed successfully in the United States. I was like, shit. So they can't make the flight. It's news. Yeah. They make the flight and it just, it, everything's fine. That is also news. Like, oh my God. Yeah. That's fucking hilarious, but yeah. Then you get clickbaited to hell. But um, but yeah, I um, I think like Donald Trump being in there has always, to me, been a bit of a gag. Like Donald Trump has had a really good TV career, and this TV show that he's been on, yeah, which is called How to Become the President, very very slowly. He's you know he's winning at it, yeah. Like and along the way, he's kept his like he's kept his base. And like he's kept his, uh, he's kept his exposure, like you know, and like he's one of the only people who has probably learned more from professional wrestling to become a politician than many politicians have, like because he just doesn't care. And like the amount of times where like someone said something to him and he's like, "Well, so what?" and he just gives us this look, yeah, that's a wrestling thing. Like that is a yeah. pure like, what are you gonna do? And they go. Oh yeah, what are we gonna do? I'll see you at the Watergate, and I'll see you at the Alamo. <laughs> like it's just like he's not gonna like. And if anyone ever says anything to him of any kind of way, shape, or form, he's just like, well, fine, you know. Like he he's just like, well, I uh, I am leader of the free world, so you know. Then he pulls the Vince on everyone, like yep. you know, he just like he has. We have, we have seen, with Donald Trump, we have seen the closest we will ever see to Vince McMahon in the White House. Like, that is, like, because you'd never get in there. And even if Linda was, and like, Shane's never going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. I could always see one of his kids wanting to do it, though. I feel like one of, like, one of Hunter and Seth's kids want to be president. Because there's a hell of a lot of them now. There's six of those McMahon kids running around, aren't there? Three girls, three boys. God damn, that's going to be. That's going to be a dynasty, isn't it? Yeah. It w- it would be a dynasty if they all decided to want to go into professional wrestling. I mean, keep in mind, Shane left to do his own thing. I mean, he eventually did come back, but he's still not a part of the board of directors. Neither is Linda. Stephanie is still a part as chief CEO or C- CIO or something of the sort in the chief. WWE. So she's probably chief the only officer. one. Chief brand officer. Chief That's why Bradley Rhodes is chief brandy officer. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. 
So that'll all depend on if their kids want to actually get the, get their hands into the business mm. when they get older. Like Shane's, Shane's kids, it was quite interesting, you know, at the takeover that they all turned up that first WrestleMania, and it was Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe, and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, Shane's kids are there, so they're going to have to be a bit nice and make sure they're not swearing, and then there's their kid, his kids going, fuck him up, fuck him up, <laughs> just like, mm-hmm. like Samoa Joe's running around bleeding, and they're all cheering and all really happy, and people are like, Oh my god! Like, well, well, what about if they see something really terrible at WrestleMania? And it's like, I think they're gonna be all right. I think they're gonna be all right. <laughs> I think they've probably seen worse than this. All right. So what I want to do, I'm gonna go through a list of names I've got in front of me, and I want to quick fire it with just a quick answer of yes or no of whether you think they should or shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. All right. All right. And I'm gonna finish on a more controversial one. So your first one is Mike Adamley. I, I, the Adamley era. Hmm. Uh, I no. mean, only if, I, only if Jeff Harvey inducts him. You mean Jeff Hardy? Hardney? No, I mean Jeff, I mean Jeff Harvey. I want someone called Jeff, Jeff Harvey. Harvey to turn up and induct him. If he can't find someone called Jeff Harvey, he ain't getting inducted. <laughs> and yeah. I want him to go to Jeff Hardy constantly until he goes, okay, fine, my name's Jeff Hardy. But... All right. Your next one is Mike Awesome. I yeah. think Mike Awesome should be, but he should be one of those. You know how they have a list of people who they're going to be inducted, they get inducted, and they go up and do the speech, and there's a co- there's several of them who do not go up to get a speech, but they're inducted anyway, kind of like how they did with Luna Vachon. Mm-hmm. He would probably be a part of that list. I, I would I would definitely induct him. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that I, I'm, I'm similar to where Steven's saying that I'd say that, yeah, it'd be on like the, like the extra list, like the, like the honorable mentions list almost. Mm-hmm. All right, Armando Estrada. Oh, yeah. Oh, you oh, mean yeah. Aleja- Armando Estrada? Ale- no, isn't it? Armando Alejandro Estrada. I can't do it. No, no, I haven't slept that much. But that thing, Rada. Oh, yeah, man. Ovs? Yeah. If anything, yeah, because of like the amazing work that he did with Dumaga and the amazing work he did with My Love of Cigars at that period of time. Because I was down with cigars at that time, man. God damn it. Yeah, right. I, I, I would say yes, absolutely. Uh, he, he, he would probably be, again, one of those dimension ones. Because I really don't see Vince putting him in as like one of the main, tra- main attraction ones if they didn't put Paul Heyman in first. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so your next name is Mr. Kennedy. Anderson! Sorry. <laughs> Kennedy. Uh, um, you know what? I'm going to say no. Not yet. Will he go in eventually? No, I mean, I think he might, but from from what I've seen so far... Not yet. He's just building himself back up. Like, 
Mm. I don't. I I don't personally think he made Based a bigger WWE run. Does he deserve exactly. to go in? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like based on what he did in the WWE. No, everything else, yes. But that's why I think what he's doing in NWA at the moment. Uh, actually, he's gone back to TNA, hasn't he? God damn, I just realised. Like he was in NWA and then he didn't. He no showed their um, Hard Times pay per view. And they were like, why isn't he here? And they didn't really say anything. And then he was signed up for the TNA um, There's No Place Like Home pay-per-view as one of the Aces and Eights, him and D, um, him and D'Lo Brown. So yeah, I was going to say yes, but his WWE run, he just didn't do enough in it. Like, and everyone knows that he was kind of cut in his prime. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, yes or no? Uh, do I think Mr. Kennedy deserved to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Uh, See, I think how soon do I think he needs to be inducted? Well, that really depends on a few things. I feel that and I am not putting this out in the universe, so I'm knocking on wood right now, but if something that tragic were to happen to Mr. Kennedy... Right. Uh, he, he died in a plane crash or he died in an automobile accident because of somebody else, no negligence on him, then he would probably be a part of, uh, he would probably be inducted based off of that as sort of a way to pacify his fans. He does have a lot of accomplishments under his belt. Um, there's a sour, sour note with him and obviously Randy Orton, Randy Orton calling hit, calling out his ass for being an quote unquote unsafe worker and shit. Um, John Cena was really close, good for close friends with him, so I could see the argument that John Cena having a little bit of pull in the company to say, you know what, I think you guys really should reconsider putting him into the Hall of Fame, and Vince would actually say, you know what, pal, you know what, we'll we'll talk about it. And he could be probably part of it as an honorable mentionee. Um, well, he's, he is he's, redefining himself right now with the NWA uh, on power. School people in his um, his training school they've been um, providing some enhancement talent to the WWE as well. Actually, if I remember, yep. uh, in some towns, so he has got a relationship with the company again. Like the lines of communication are open to a point mm-hmm. where they work together business-wise. Correct. So so basically, to answer your question, yes, but I do not see it happening anytime soon. I'd say, unless something, like I said, tragic happens, yes, it would probably be sooner rather than later. But I would, yeah. give, him an, I, I would give him about four years tops to sort of re, rediscover himself, which he has been doing, and making a name for himself in the independent scene to actually having people's eyes open up. Cause yeah. look at Drew, look at Drew McIntyre. He was seen as the person who was going to be the biggest thing personally anointed by Vince McMahon. And he got the shittiest, shittiest gimmicks the entire time he was in the WWE. He went out, made a name for himself, came back to NXT and look at him right now. Motherfucker is going to be main eventing WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. Mm. 
Also, very aside on that, yeah. How awesome is that poster where we've got Drew McIntyre being the Highlander and Brock Lesnar being the Kurgan from Highlander? Oh my god! Like I was looking, that I was like, oh, it is, isn't it? Freaking is the one. He's got to chop down the beast. Oh. All right, your next name, Candice Michelle. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I would if they if they announce her for next year, I would be very happy with that decision. Very very happy. And Candace is my girl. I fucking love her. Have you seen um, seen her TED talk where she talks about the WWE and yes. like yeah, what a, absolutely amazing yeah like one of I I didn't really know what she was doing outside of it. Um, I watched that last year. I think I saw it. I watched the Eric Bischoff one and then. Her one just happened to be up next in the playlist. I was like, oh, shit, Candice did one. And it was so good. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, all about, like, you know, how it worked and where she came from and that kind of stuff. And she speaks really highly when she was in the WWE. And, you know, she she did she did really well out of it. Like, she – and she was a great worker, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. not amazing, but goddamn, from what – you know, from – from that generation of women where they were just models and then someone and to Laura Knight said, look through the Sears catalog. And then like he would, uh, <laughs> after he'd ordered, he would then see if they could wrestle. And then he'd put them in the ring afterwards to, after the backstage segment that he would do with them off camera. Allegedly. Right. All right. Um, Wade Barrett. Ooh, now it's getting harder. <laughs> Some good news. God, uh, Val, why don't you go first while I think about this one, dude? Obviously, man, rule Britannia. Britannia rules the waves. God damn it! Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had a feeling he was gonna go that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Wade Barrett is amazing. He is so good. Like. Again, someone who could have gone the wayside. Um, he found a gimmick off TV as well. He was doing that shtick on the JBL and Cole show. Like the, I got a bit of bad, I'm afraid I got some bad news for you. Like he did all of that, yeah, on the on a show which didn't even exist within the normal canon of the WWE. To the where they went, this is great. Do you want to, do you want to try it on TV? And then he as a heel, became one of the most loved heels of all time because we were like, yeah, this is what we want. This is what we want. So Wade back, and then everything he's done outside, um, everything he's doing in power, the stuff that he did um, in World of Sport, his new role as an authority figure, um, I like it. I think, you know, like what his role as authority figure and play-by-play, I like it. It fits him. It, It allows him to do the other work that he's doing, movies and stuff. And, um, you know, if it wasn't for him, wasn't for him, we wouldn't have seen John Cena beat six men um, all in the same match and survive drivers and then win. So, uh, so, yeah. Plus, it was fun to see Barrett kind of, you know, mess with Cena for a tiny, for like, what was it, a week? Six months. Yeah. But how long was he in charge of him for, though? You know, like when he was at... It was about a week. No, I was going to say it was... There were two different pay-per-views. It went on from the one, if you don't, if I don't win, 
you're fired. So he ended up winning by disqualification. Then it became, if I don't come out champion, you're fired. And he didn't come out champion. So there were two pay-per-views with Randy Orton that Barrett had control over Cena for. Mm. So it was a good four or five weeks. God damn, it felt way shorter than that. Right. Oh no, it was borderline months at one point, I reckon. Because that was around the time the core turned up and like all of that stuff was happening. I think that's when I kind of like floated away again because I was a bit like, this is just getting ridiculous. But like, Wade Barrett, 100%. Like, you know, the good thing is about Wade Barrett as well. Like, I feel like he's, he's a classy guy. Like, he, he probably went out classy way. Like, he just went, I'm going. Uh, sorry. Like, I think even during when he was leaving, like, it was, you know, he was doing it the right way. And I can see him, like, becoming a trainer in the PC later yeah. on, long from now. And the way that the NWA is working with other promotions, um, they could even work with the WWE at some point. Yeah. Have that time. All right. Actually, as a little footnote to what you just said there, though, his contract was actually scheduled to expire June 16th, but he was able to work out uh, an early release with the WWE because he, he, he was the yes guy. He was the workhorse. So they did allow him an earlier release. So he act, that's when on May 6th of 2015, no, 2016, uh, he was granted his early release and, that, and he was able to go he parted ways very amicably, and he wanted to work on his acting career at that time. So, so but he did, he did leave on good terms, though, so, which yeah. I, I would not put it past him. As long as he doesn't go anywhere to NWA, uh, to the EW, AEW, I think he'll be not only good for a return, which I would love to see him come for a return and maybe feud with Drew McIntyre. That would be awesome and epic. Um, yeah. He would definitely be Hall of Fame bound. All right, your next name, Joey Mercury. Yes. Yes. Everything that's been going on with Mercury recently, yes, yes, yes. I know it's a little bit shitty to talk, Back, talk speak ill of ROH now that Marty's got the book but you know Joey Mercury all the things he's been through his life all the sacrifices he's made he is the archetype archetypal wrestler like you know that cares about the next generation he reminds me of like Alex Shelley like Alex Shelley's done that thing where he's like I just want to help people like who wants help like Mike Bennett, like he's the kind of guy that will and has given the shirt off his back to people um, to help keep them safe. So yeah, hundred million percent. And I'd love him to go in as part of Eminem. Like I'd yeah. love to have yes. Him. Right. Here's the reason why I don't think though that he is going to get in, and it's just one tiny little nugget of a reason that could be huge CM Punk they are very 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 close friends because of his association with CM Punk unless they really definitely clear clean the slate with CM Punk I don't see him getting in there even even as a cohesive unit with Eminem right, I've got an easy one for you 
Mm. Eric Bischoff. Yes. <laughs> oh, controversy <laughs> creates cash. You know what? Yeah. Like, if he did, he would be the world's smartest guy and the world's dumbest guy in the same moment. Because, like, I've, I don't think that anyone, like, because, you know, like, he moved his whole thing, like, he told everyone, I'm moving, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then, like, literally two weeks later, he's like, yeah, wait for the next podcast, wait for the next 83 weeks, just just wait for the next 83 weeks, because I'm going to fucking go ape shit. But, like, um, Bischoff. Bischoff has so many reasons why I should be in there. I think Bischoff probably saw it as business, and Bischoff probably thought, oh, shit, I would have done that. Probably thought I should have seen this when I was coming in. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, you know Bischoff. Bischoff, at the end of the day, like, he's not going to bite the hand. I think that what's more interesting about all of that, though, is that AEW didn't come afterwards and say, hey, 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 Bish, do you want to come down here? Because they might have thought, well, you know what, you made your bed. <laughs> So go sleep at it, like yeah. because you know there was that like the books and Cody especially they're very they were very vocal when Starcast was happening. I remember Starcast, I think it was Starcast two, and Russo started to go like, "Hey man, I like those guys, you know what they're doing over there in like Starcast and all that kind of stuff." And it was it was all in, wasn't it? And it's like and Starcast, and then like Cody just says, "We don't want you here." Please don't come here. If you come here, we're going to kick you out. And he was like, oh, that's okay, bro. Don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, oh, Russo, you just got slapped out there, man. And there's been so many people that they have been so vocal about not letting in. I wonder if they just went to Bischoff. Like, you chose the money over, like, the guaranteed, in inverted commas, money over this startup. And, like... I think that it's good that Bischoff didn't go to AEW. I think mm-hmm. that it might have been too on the nose then because Tony Khan has is taken bits from WCW, you know, the bits that work, the bits that didn't work, and he's, you know, molding them around and like that's what he's kind of said around the the company. If yeah. you had guy so like cuz if you're sitting there and go, "Well, that was a shit idea." And you've got the guy whose idea it was sat in the room. It might be a bit harder to get him to think slightly differently than it would be for someone who wasn't in the eye of the storm to begin with. Because Bischoff might go, oh, well, I did that for a reason because Hogan said he wouldn't lay down for him. I did that for a reason because Macho said he wouldn't lay down for him. I did that for a reason because, you know, like, there's got to be so many other situations that... Situation where you've got total control might actually be harder. All right, your next name is Elijah Burke. Dapo. Yeah, man. Actually, yeah, I would. I would one hundred percent put the Pope in. He he did some really good work. All the stuff with Sylvester Takai, and again, <laughs> a bit of a circumstance. I think um, uh, Elijah Burke. He could have, if ECW wasn't done the way it was, if ECW was NXT back then, Elijah Burke would have been a much bigger star because in TNA, he did what, he he did 
as the, as the Black Pope, everything he did, yeah, um, Angelo, uh, D'Angelo De Niro, he did amazingly, did absolutely amazingly. And he's such a good talker. He's such a good... In NWA now, he's so good. So good. I agree with you on that. He, he is definitely one hell of a talker. And he made a name for himself uh, down in Impact, uh, TNA. It, it's always, it's hard for me to actually say Impact Wrestling when I grew up knowing it as TNA, but I digress. Uh, and the stuff that he's doing right now with at, at NWA Power uh, has been phenomenal, to say the least. Uh, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. I would probably, though, if he doesn't have like another WWE run, even if it's coming to NXT and kicking ass in NXT, which would be awesome, by the way, it would probably be as a, as you know, as the footnote. Like, here, here's the here's the other people who are inducted, uh, and we'll just give you the names of the list, but they're not going to be up on the stage saying thank you and all that stuff. I, I guess he could be inducted with what was the what was the group? Was it called the New Breed? The New Breed. Was the new breed was I was going to call them the new blood, but yeah, he could come in with the rest of the new bleed, a new bleed, the new breed. God damn it! <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about uh, what's his face, Kevin Furtig, the the vampire, Kevin Thorne. That's it. Sorry, I just I just blitz away there thinking about Ariel, but um, but yeah, you get them all in, you get in um, the pants dude. <laughs> what's his name? Marcus Corvone in ECW. <laughs> Um, and one more guy that was in that foursome, wasn't there? The new breed, Elijah Burke, uh, Kevin Thorne, Matt Striker, pa- Matt Striker, Marcus Corvon, Marcus Corvon, obviously Ariel was in that, was there as well. They mm. went. ECW originals where my boy Rob Van Dam, my old my other boy um Sabu, my my third boy Tommy Dreamer, and my fourth boy, I think it was Sandman. I feel like it was Sandman. They may have been uh, Sandman. Till they all started getting injured, and then Vince decided that he was gonna start wearing a do-rag and be the champion. Mm-hmm. Alright, three more to go. Your next one is Caitlin. Yes, she did. She did really good work, actually. And she, she was. I think she was what um, Vince would have wanted. Uh, Vince would have wanted a uh, China to be, like, mm. um, you know, like she, she was, she was, she was strong, quite feminine, but also she was happy to like get stuck into other stuff and. Like she seemed to be quite happy to be there as well. Like she didn't seem like she was yearning for anything outside of the company. So on that basis, and we haven't to be honest, I don't think there are many there are many like dirt stories about Caitlin. I think mm-hmm. from everything that sounds seems like she just kind of came to work, did a job and yeah. that's, had fun with it. And then came back for the May Young Classic with a totally different look. Mm-hmm. Seen her now. Jeez. She's a brick house. <clears throat> I agree. 
she definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, although I will add a little sidebar uh, to what you pretty much said, that you don't think that there was anything controversial about her. There was this one particular incident where she was out on the stage talking to several other women who were in the ring right now, and Stephanie McMahon was walking back to, to Gorilla, and she walked by and she stopped right in front of Caitlin and she said something to her that took Caitlin aback and she kind of stumbled and then remembered her promo and then kept on going. Apparently, Kate, uh, th- there was some sort of miscommunication mis- uh, between the people playing Caitlyn's music when she was coming out, thinking that it was Caitlyn who requested to play my music now and interrupt Stephanie. But that was pretty much cleared up. But there was one incident. And if you look back, if you look, try to see if you can find the YouTube video, Caitlyn, WWE, interrupting Stephanie McMahon. You'll see the segment in question. Mm. But other than well, that, she's she was like, "You want me to do this? Okay, I'll do this. You want me to do that? I'll do that." It was, there was never any particular issue per se that she ever had with anybody. Yeah, right. Your next name is Chris Daniels. CD. Okay, yeah. So obviously, if he's going to go into the Hall of Fame, then it's a really easy way to do that. You just mm. have someone that's in the Hall of Fame wearing a big long cloak you don't find out who they are and then at the hall of fame ceremony they say it was me it was me christopher daniels all along like that's what you got to do because we now know it's going to be the higher power so why not yeah well i was gonna say for those that don't know christopher daniels was conquistador dos back in and he had a wwe run from 98 to 2000 It's it's wait a minute. I thought Conquistador Doris was uh oh no that was the the redoing when it was Edge and Christian doing it because Christian was actually Conquistador Doris in the later years. My mistake. Mm-hmm. Yep, you got. Oh wow, that that's impressive. That's good. Like what's what's crazy about like Christopher Daniels is that he is the forever bridesmaid of professional wrestling. Like there've been so many times when he should have been the guy. And just unfortunate circumstances happened. Like you can, you know, he would have, he would have been like, I think, I feel like in WCW, he would have done quite a lot. Obviously he went for his tryout and he failed. Luckily, not that long after the company was bought by the WWF and he wouldn't have gone anywhere. He would have just been one of the fodder in the invasion. Um, And then I loved all the stuff that he did with Fallen Angel. Um, I found him in TNA and I was like oh my god this guy is amazing I don't understand but like I'm enthralled by him and like the way he's evolved over time with like um, bad influence um, the addiction and all that kind of stuff Um, him and Frankie Kazarian I've watched like again going back and watching TNA now I'm seeing CD for like the first time again and I'm like oh damn man I'm seeing little baby Kazarian there as well and like They've grown so much. They were TNA through and through until TNA threw them out. Like, so um, I, I could, I think it would happen at some point a long time after Vince is gone, not mm. in his lifetime. 
but I could see it happening um, just as a kind of breaking down of the walls pun totally intent. But like uh, I, I think that's it. When Forbidden Door starts to swing open a little bit more to AEW, then you're going to get to see these kind of things. I mean, going back to it, who would have ever in a million years thought that Christian Cage, a WWE superstar, would be at a TNA Hall of Fame ceremony on pay-per-view while under contract to the WWE. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the interesting side note to that footnote, which I always think is hilarious, is the WWE wanted Rick um, for the Four Horsemen. So they're like, okay, you can have Rick. So then the WWE said, all right, in exchange, you can have anyone. You can have absolutely anyone obviously within reason you can have anyone off the roster so okay so there's like look in there and go oh we could have this person we can have, this person. we can have literally anyone yeah can we have christian back please and vince is like you want christian here you go i've already sent him along the way anyway like so it's just like and i even when he was there like if you watch that segment it's christian's like there in tna and he's like he's like the quickest he could get away from that place as fast as humanly possible. Like you could just tell he's like, I hope they don't get me involved in a segment with someone. I hope I don't get in trouble for this. I've only just come back to the company and they fucking pulled me back in. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, at some point, I think he will. I right. think so too. I mean, a lot of the people who have worked at ring of honor, have come over to the WWE and they're very, very successful. I feel that if his contract expires, what, not if, his contract is going to expire. He doesn't have like, okay, you signed with us, you can never leave type thing. That doesn't exist legally. Uh, if his contract expires and he feels like he's got one, uh, a final run with him to go to the WWE and WWE do extend that offer to him, he would be amazing can you imagine the matches he would have with aj styles with finn balor with paul and versus finn balor oh my god be mm-hmm. still my beat exactly and and vince will see that like saying okay holy crap let's bring on let's bring him on to smackdown let's bring put him on raw or something like that and he has a good year of that and then he decides to like you know what this is it i'm gonna retire that would be the beautiful send-off for him to be able to go into a Hall of Fame as somebody, one of the main people that are going to be featured, not like a footnote. That would be amazing. And yeah. I think that will happen. I think that will happen. Whether it will happen now or if it will, whether it will happen in a couple of years' time, it will all be depending on his contract situation and if he really does want to come over. Um, so I guess we'll wait and see what happens. All right, your final name. Oh, this is the controversial one. Okay, hold on. Let me get ready for this. Hang on. Hold on. Let me get ready for this. Because I feel like we're going to be throwing punches here. For Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> right. Enzo Amore. Ooh. Uh... <laughs> it's like, what has he really done? But he's obviously made himself stand out enough. Uh, would they? Would, do you think that they just like invite him to the Hall of Fame ceremony? Yeah? Tell him and like let him put out the tweet and then say nah. <laughs> like, because 
Because that's what, what... What company did that to him recently? They were like, oh, GCW. And GCW, like, we did not offer him any money. And he's like, yes, you did. And they're like, we did not offer you any money, Enzo. You are mental. What are you talking about? Um, <sighs> Enzo. Enzo is an interesting cat. Because, like, if it wasn't for Big Cass, I think Enzo would have been all right, you know? I think he could have come back. I think everything that Big Cass did after, obviously, you know... That was an issue that he's had, and that's something that you know, like it's not something that's going to happen overnight and like be fixed. But I think without that, Enzo might have been able to slip back. But Enzo was like, I want to come back with big casts, and then they did that shit at ROH, and then everyone went, No, we don't want you anymore. Like, he was at the Qatar pro wrestling thing, thanks to Fight TV, who got me media pass for that to watch it. Like, it was weird. Like, it's just him versus, like, he's got such a high opinion of himself. He already is in the Hall of Fame in his mind. Like, <laughs> they just, he's just waiting for everyone to turn it to the ceremony. Like. So do you put him in or not? I, I'd put him in, but he'd have to go like into the wilderness for a bit he'd have to do a lot of wilderness stuff like or they bring him in like a pete rose style situation i don't really know about the issues of pete rose i know that he's apparently a bit of an asshole baseball player or whatever well i think they do like that kind of thing to him they bring in him bring him in just to boo him and then he's like ah no you want to boo me that's fine i got paid i don't give a shit like that's that's the kind of stuff you do isn't it and like that would be to keep him away from aew even though they don't want him, like mm. that's the kind of shit that I could see Vince doing. Not a headliner, hundred percent not a headliner. If anything, it would be made very clear to him that he's gonna probably not even get a speech. Like that's the kind of shit they do to him. Like that's how they do him. Like, but they they'd let him in. They'd have to let him in. He's too popular. Like and people. Well, that's the thing. He's popular, but has he done enough to actually deserve it? You can ask, you can, but that's the thing. Like in the short amount of time, I think that's the difference between, say, like someone like him and a Mister Kennedy Anderson. Like, even though Kennedy did a lot in the time he was there, a lot of the time he was injured. Enzo, his mouth did a lot of the work, and you know, love him or hate him, when he became two hundred five champion, the ratings went up. People started paying attention. People started okay, the ratings are the ratings, but he was paying attention. Like- they main evented Raw for the first time. Yeah. And that wasn't because Enzo's an amazing mat technician. That's because he's got a dirty mat. And he was he was great with it. It's just that he didn't know when to stop. So yeah, I put him in. Million percent, man. But it would it would have to be after a few years. Like he'd have to have his his literal come to Jesus moment and possibly be born again and come back. Yeah. Uh but it, I, I, you know, never say never, I would say, with Enzo. What about you, Stephen? <sighs> All right. The short, do you want me to give you the short answer first and then give you the long one? Or do you want me to give you the long one and then you can figure out what the answer is? <laughs> <laughs> All right, give us you the short to... answer and then explain why. Okay. Turn the short answer is, do I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? No. Not right, not right now, not next year, not in two years, not in five years, possibly not even in ten years. Now, 
here's the reason why. Short of his mouth, because the guy can talk. You cannot give him, you don't have to give the guy a script. You tell him, listen, we want to convey this particular feeling. Go ahead and do it. This guy can talk a rock dead. He could talk. He's got good flaps. But it takes more than having a good flap to move on in this particular business. Like, I can talk. That doesn't mean I'm going into the Hall of Fame. I'm a good-ass talker. I know the moves. I can say, you should... Just exactly like the announcer in New Japan Pro Wrestling in Japanese. That's not going to put me in the Hall of Fame. You need to actually build a career, not just in talking, but in the ring. And he was not the best worker in the ring, per se. Yes, he did for the very first time, got the entire cruiserweight division as a main event. Yes, he did elevate the ratings of 205 Live. What was it? Yeah, it was 205 Live in his infancy. But Pac could have done that too if you had given Pac the rub. Oh, sorry. Uh, what the hell was Pac's name in the WWE? I'm, I'm, I'm drawing Neville. a blank. No, thank Neville. you, Neville. You could have done the Neville. same thing with Neville. You could have done the same thing with Kalisto. Kalisto was no it was known, is known all around the world. And he came over here and did the, this this gig here. And what did they do? They put him in Lucha House Party. Hey, no, I'm not saying I don't like the Lucha House Party. I love the guys. I love all three of the guys. But you could have actually have him push it even further up. I would see Callisto going to the Hall of Fame way before I would see Enjo Amore going into the Hall of Fame. Mm. But that's the thing. And then, the and then this whole thing that happened with uh, the alleged uh, statutory rape type thing and he didn't do it, I wasn't here, blah, 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 blah. He's shady. If you knew that something could potentially be a problem and you don't tell your employers, that's a red flag. I would have, if he would have gone to the WWE, hey, listen, this is what's going on. I'm declaring my innocence, but I wanted you guys to be aware. So they'd be like, okay, we'll be at the ready. We'll be, we'll, we'll be aware. Thank you very much for letting us know. Instead of having to hear it off of TMZ and then several news media coverage coverages seeing all of this happening and then being coming a shitstorm like saying you know what we're gonna have to let you go he pretty much shot himself in the foot with that now i'll give this he was young and he should have known better but the reason why i also know that he's probably not going to get into it anytime soon is because of him personally he's a dick he's a jackass he is extremely, extremely rude. He likes to start fights. And here's how I know why. There was an incident. And probably, you guys probably may have 
heard it in the in the wrestling news of the issues he was having with the the bad the bad boy Joey Janela. Yes. Joey Janela is a personal friend of mine. I know the kind of guy Joey really is. What you see in the ring, he's totally the opposite of that. He's a really good guy, genuinely. He really cares about his fans. He really wants to help out um, everybody in the industry, especially people who are newcomers. And the fact that he was drunk. Enzo was drunk and he just went right up to him and he just started picking a fight of him, just talking shit. And Joey's like saying, I'm not going to fight you. So if he has that kind of an attitude, he has no business being into the Hall of Fame, period, based off of all of that. Because then what's the first thing that a person's going to do when they're going to get nominated? They're going to look him up. And they're going to see all of this stuff that's happening. It's like saying, ah, and then they're going to start doing a petition. Exactly what they did with the fabulous Moolah when they call it the Moolah, um, what was it? The Moolah Royal Rumble or something like that? The Women's Royal Rumble? became the Women's Battle Royale. Ah, exactly. They said it was going to be, oh God, Jesus. What, he's going to be tossing over like uh, 15, 16 year olds over the top rope. Okay, great. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so the second that they found out that the fabulous Moolah's name was associated to the battle royale, holy crap, everybody and their mother just started going right after it. And they said, okay, we got to nix this. That's how I feel about Enzo Amore. He's got to really clean up his act. I mean, granted, like he could do a hundred things right. That one thing wrong that he did is still going to be there. But at least he's trying to do something right now. He's not trying to do anything to kind of like give back to the business. Yeah. All right. So, sorry. One thing I do every week just to get off the hall of fame for a bit is I play the random react for you guys to listen to and react to it accordingly how you guys feel how you feel it changed wrestling for the better or for the worse what impact it had on you as a wrestling fan etc so this week this is your random react one it wants to play Skips straight to an advert, so it's gonna be back in like ten seconds. Of course, it does that. <laughs> Gotta right. thank YouTube for that. Yep, and it's advertising sports. <laughs> 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 Tell me, what 
is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business. Ruthless. Ruthless. Aggression. Baby Cena. Such uh, a generic entrance song. I know. Yeah, it was very I, generic. I, for some reason, I thought it was like the song. Nitro or something. Or like, I was like, is that Thunder? That sounds like Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming um, it was the who in the hell are you that tipped you off as to what segment it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fantastic segment, yo. Like beginning of the Ruthless Aggression era, I mean, I, I think that it was needed at the time. There needed to be, mm-hmm. like, a watershed moment. Um, now, obviously, that particular promo and that whole particular thing from Vince um, was, like, a battle cry to the to the locker room, you know, like, fix up, reach for the, gra- the brass spring. We got to see, in the Ruthless Aggression era, so many things we wouldn't have seen had there been two companies at the time, um, two real companies, TNA was around, ROH was around, but there wasn't anyone really to take them to task. Um, and it was really interesting. It was a really interesting time. Uh, I was I was there for all of Ruth's aggression. Like it's one of my favorite eras. Like um, I was fully into like smarky kind of stuff back, but like reading all the dirt sheets all the time, like trying to find out what was going to happen. Over here in the UK, of course, SmackDown came on days later. So we didn't get to see it until it had aired a few days later. So um, I would normally already know what's going to happen on SmackDown by the time we got there. But like Ruth's Aggression was always one of my favorite. It's, it's probably one of my favorite areas. Cl- very close to the Attitude Era, but definitely this. I think uh, the WWE kind of found their stride. Yeah, it was quite interesting because um, it was part of the Ruthless Aggression series on the network, and John Cena said that that actually wasn't as big of a success as everyone made it out to be. He said it was a failure. Which I kind of agree with, because I remember at the time, so like, the Ruthless Aggression era, especially for me, I was like... So as I said, it's like Raw and SmackDown would come on over here in the UK on a Friday and a Saturday night. So Friday night, we'd get Monday Night Raw. And on a Saturday, we'd get SmackDown from Thursday night. Um, so when those shows would happen, I was a, I was a gallivanter little boy. And I was out and about every Friday and Saturday night. So on Fridays, I would record, I'd end up watching Raw live on Friday for some reason. But SmackDown, I'd watch drunk at about three or four in the morning because it would get <laughs> reran again. So I'd come home yeah. drunk at like three, four in the morning. Go, <laughs> it's SmackDown. So I would always watch SmackDown drunk here every single week. And SmackDown was always the better show. Maybe it was because I was drunk, but uh, it was always the better show. And like that period of time, um, wrestling was still kind of relevant as well. Like nowadays, it's, you know, it's getting back to the mainstream. But back then, it was just at the end, the tail end. It was just before Benoit was about to happen. Just before. I find that quite interesting in the documentary series as well. You know, some of the historical. 
revisionism, revisionism. Like, they talk about Randy Orton in one of the latest episodes, and they're like, and Randy Orton becomes the youngest WWE champion of all time. And I'm like, yeah, who did he beat, though? Oh. Oh, he just became champion, like the Immaculate Conception, or the Immaculate Championship. Um, but, but, yeah, it was a it was good time to be a wrestling fan. We got to see really high work rate from wrestlers who would have never got a chance before because the big boys all gone. Yeah, it's also that era made a lot of stars. Like we saw John Cena come through, Batista, Randy Orton, Edge. Hardy made a singles name for himself a bit later when he came back, more 2007, 2008. You got Christian sort of floated around here and there, but he wasn't huge. He was still more of a mid-carder. We got Brock Lesnar for a year. That was a bit of a dud. I I think I think that that first Lesnar run was um was what we needed to see. We needed to see that we needed to see the power. We needed to understand why Paul Heyman would like the whole of the Brock Lesnar like commencement, like when Brock Lesnar first turned up, you know, with Paul Heyman there, like you know, he can't be trusted on his own. So Paul Heyman's here to like look after him and to stop him from going like flying off the handle too much. And then as he slowly became himself, I think the run when Brock was on his own, that was a little bit weird when it came to backstage segments, but in the ring, always fluid. Um, and I mean, we got to see in the Ruth's Aggression era as well, um, we got to see like the women's division start to actually like come out of its funk a little bit as well. Um, mm. So like there were loads of really great stuff that happened. Like that, that one promo... Um, and like everything that happened after it, like I can remember watching John Cena's kind of ascent, um, and like when he talks about that Halloween show when he when he rapped, he did the rap and stuff, like um, that particular Halloween show. I'd kind of Cena was always the guy that, as a wrestling fan, you kind of liked him, but you just weren't sure about him. And after that, and it's 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 right after that whole promo, after he teamed up with B Squared, like I was down for every little thing that Cena said. Cena would do like amazing things in the ring. Like I can remember at one point, like uh, Rey Mysterio went for a West Coast pop, and he just put his arm up, and then Mysterio like low blowed himself on his arm, and then fell down. And then Cena just looked down at him and was like, "What are you gonna do?" I was like. Why has no one ever thought of doing that before? And that was John Cena, Ruth's aggression, uh, Ruth's aggression, Doctor of Economics. I was like, it's because he has a doctorate in this shit. That's why he knows what to do. <laughs> what about you, Stephen? Where are you at with it? Uh, let's see. So the Ruthless Aggression era, uh, I think the reason why probably John said it didn't do as good as a lot of people would have hoped at the time is not a lot of people remember this, but this was during the time when the World Wildlife Foundation, the original WWF, was actually suing the WWE for the use of the lo- of the letters WWF together, and they were fi- they were fi- yeah they were fighting a battle this entire time, mm-hmm. and this was when they actually started doing the promoting of. Get the F out and going Wasn't now into WWE. See, because over here in the UK, it happened earlier. They started the court case in Europe. 
and in Europe when the court case started, all mm -hmm. programming had to be changed. So that's when we, over here, it was no longer called the WWF. It was now mm -hmm. WWFE. So all programming and listings and TV stuff, as the case was ongoing, because they were taking it to the Supreme Court in the US or something, and as that was all happening, um, it became WWFE over here. And that was about 2002. So might have happened over mm. Australia at the same time as well. But it didn't be the Get the F Out campaign then started just a little bit after that. Um, because over here, we already had, you know, like you guys still had the Scratch WWF logo. Right. We didn't. It was blurred. So like on all the programming, even if it was brand new, it was blurred. There was some there was some dispensation that was made um, because we had like WWF classic stuff still showing on TV where mm -hmm. obviously it was still going. So they were blurring that all out. Um, and there were certain things that we couldn't see on TV. Like everything became a blur. I can just remember seeing video packages and they couldn't show something from last week. And it was just blurred. All of the ring ropes are blurred. All of the turnbuckles are blurred. Like, everything is blurred because the, the WWF logo is fucking everywhere. Like, the ref's shirt becomes just one big bit of grey. Like, um, but yeah, it was, you're right, absolutely right, Steve. It was like, it was the ongoing court case, which I think was very interesting. The WWE just glossed over. They just go, mm -hmm. oh yeah, we decided that we were no longer federation. We were now entertainment. So we then undertook a very expensive remarketing campaign to change a letter for no reason whatsoever at all. Like, very revisionist. Like, I would have liked at least, because there, there was those really cool memes, well, before there were memes, um, of, a, of the panda hitting the other panda with a chair, and it's saying WWF. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. It was it was because there was an agreement made between Vince and the WWF years and years and years ago that said they were never they would never market themselves as the WWF outside of the United States, and that's why it kind of started in Europe first, and it backtracked, and they must have just thought, screw it. But mm -hmm. it was a really weird time that time when uh, the get the however the get the F out campaign was absolutely amazing. I thought it was really really good campaign. Like, yeah. yeah, they did a really good job with that campaign, too. The official that promo is... first aired May 6, 2002. Wow. Mm -hmm. Damn, I'm old. So Damn. am I, man. Here's the other take on... Uh, here's the second part of that, why I think it didn't succeed as well as most people think. I personally thought it succeeded, all things considering, even despite the fact of the of the lawsuit going on because the original concept for ruthless aggression was for it to be sort of attitude era ish they wanted to try to see if they can do the same thing that they did with the austin era with the attitude area so attitude let's get it let's make it let's make it worse Why? Oh, ruthless it should be ruthless it's more of an attitude. It's not even an attitude. It's more ruthless. I can actually picture Vince saying it like that. But I think that's why they thought that, okay, if we actually make it ruthless, pronouns, pal, it would, it would be as successful. And I think that's where, the, uh, that, that's where it sort of failed a little bit on what they think it might have failed. I think the 
ruthless aggression era, as you pretty much pointed out earlier, it made a hell of a lot of superstars. But then again, you also had Paul Heyman as the writer who actually believed in the wrestler and not a, not just a stupid script. So that's the reason why like people like Shelton Benjamin, like Batista, Randy Orton, Brock, Cena, Jeff Hardy, Edge, Christian, they all broke out of their shell. And these were all SmackDown people, too. He, he let them he let them really go for it. And that's the one thing that I gave Heyman credit for. Like, we speak about, you know, with fondness, the SmackDown 6. Everybody speaks with fondness about the SmackDown 6. When you think about it, those six guys before they were on SmackDown, they weren't as big as they were a few weeks into their run on SmackDown. Like, you know, Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio was made on SmackDown. Like, yes, he was in the WCW. Yes, he was quite popular with the Filthy Animals. But when he came to WWE, he was made as Rey Mysterio. Like, he came in. He like he came in in a steel cage match where an edge was like, and he came and interfered. Like, I remember he came and climbed over the cage, did a West Coast pop, like, off the top of the goddamn cage, like, insanity. And that's it. That's Rey Mysterio. Like, you talk about, like, Christian Edge. All these people had a chance to to just go out there and wrestle and they like some shine stuff, exactly yeah some of the stuff that Heyman did was a little bit like some of the stuff he did with Undertaker you know like Undertaker and the Dudleys like when he had that feud going on I didn't like that feud that much because some of it was just a bit hokey for me mm-hmm. but um but it was a really really good like Heyman was an amazing authority figure like what I loved about Heyman was it felt like he actually cared as a character as well, not just as a person. It's like his character when he wasn't like, when he didn't become evil Paul Heyman, like he was like a really nice guy. And he was like, I'm going to put you in this match because you guys are the best. And like he used to do that every now and then he'd just come out and say, you four are the best. So you four are going to go for the United States Championship tonight. Yeah, You're going to have this four-way um elimination match because you're four of the best wrestlers on the card that's how he'd do it later on when he was a bit more healy he'd be like you four will go up for it because i hate you you dickheads or something but like to begin with and it was and the one like that whole time of ruthless aggression i fell out of the wwe during what would have been the ruthless aggression era probably just after it um for a bit only because it, like, as you said, um, they were trying to go backwards. They were trying to recapture anything that had happened in the Attitude Era. I mean, okay, so in the Attitude Era, we've got women that might get naked. So, all right, in the Ruthless Aggression Era, we will have a live sex celebration in the ring. Why? Because ratings, yo. Because everyone's going to tune to see that. But it became embarrassing to be a wrestling fan because there's only so far that you can go to shock until it's just like, well, what are you going to do next? And anything you're going to do next, I might be down for, but anyone that's just a casual fan watching with me now is going to be like, what the hell are you watching? What are you watching right now? I'm watching wrestling. No, you're not. <laughs> yes, I am. No, no, you're watching softcore porn right now. No, I'm watching wrestling. No, 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 you, you, you're not. You're not. <laughs> so, um, like, the amount of, and I've, I've said this on any occasion, the amount of, like, 
almost arguments I used to have to have with people when I'd be like, okay, this is SmackDown. So SmackDown still being like one of the best shows in the regression era, you put on SmackDown, so you'd be like, okay, match for tonight. Oh, it's going to be Edge versus Rey Mysterio. I don't know, for title, let's say. But first, let's have ourselves a, a bra and panties match. But first, let's... And I'd be like, okay, so... Yeah, I'm going to have to watch the bra and panties match because it is actually going to have storyline implications later on in the evening. <laughs> like, I actually have to watch it. But... I don't want to have to watch it anymore. Like, I want to just see the wrestling. And I think that's when stuff like TNA used to appeal to me a bit more. Even though they had their bit of titillation here and there. End of the day, stuff like ROH and other promotions I started to watch. Especially some of, like, the deathmatch stuff like IWA. Um, was all just action. No titillation. It was just like, yeah, it's two two guys or two girls is going to beat each other for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um good time yeah, yeah good time, um, so back to the hall of fame for our last name of the night the one name that hasn't surprisingly hasn't been brought up at all chris benoit mm-hmm. I've, I've heard of that guy isn't he is he better known as name redacted <laughs> i think the redaction is still taking place unfortunately i think the ink's still wet like yeah. Uh, so, no, why don't you go first, man? So, okay, yeah, Will. So, I had this conversation with someone else the other day, actually, in in the in the in the in the real world, yeah, like outside of just the wrestling bubble, and I had this conversation with someone. I was talking about Chris Benoit, and we were kind of reminiscing on like what wrestling was like before Benoit did what he did, and after. Before, wrestling was all hilarious. Like, wrestling was really funny. When someone took a chair shot to the head, it was hilarious. When someone, um, like, when, when Benoit did the, the diving headbutt, yeah, and he was, like, you know, having essentially an episode, an epileptic fit, like, us not knowing now, but I'd be like, oh, my God, he's so good. He's so amazing. Then Eddie happened. And it was a sad and somber moment. It was a man that had tried to get better. And fortunately, his body just didn't, didn't, couldn't handle it anymore. And even though he was clean, his body just he put too much, put, given too much, too much damage to it. Obviously, that kind of changed wrestling for a lot of us. Um, and then the Benoit thing happened. When Benoit happened, becoming a, being a wrestling fan, became the worst thing in the world it became the just the worst thing in the world like if you had to explain to someone oh like if you were having a conversation about wrestling with people that weren't you didn't even know they would walk over and go are you talking about wrestling oh i heard that chris benoit like he did loads of steroids and then he did all of these things and i'm like okay so that's one person that's done something i can't speak for the whole of wrestling but we're all trying to kind of forget about that. And this is like months afterwards. So I kind of fell out of kind of love with wrestling. And I, I kind of liken it to this. It's not a comparable. And I was thinking about this before we did the show, how I wanted to speak about it. But separating the actor from the art, sorry, the artist from the art, 
is something that people always say when it comes to like musicians and they talk about actors and they talk about writers anybody that has a creative pursuit and they have something that they did or something that isn't is taboo or is not acceptable within society there will be some people that will say but that was a great song that was a great piece of writing that was a great movie whatever and they forgive the person for the art if then later on down the line there's some kind of award for that particular piece of art and let's say that piece of art was created when that person was doing things which were not acceptable by society you can appreciate the art you can still despise the person and I think the problem we have is that people who were fans of someone and people as well who just have a different particular opinion have an opinion that you can separate the art from the uh, the artist. It's fine. But if you're then going to celebrate that person posthumously in, an, in a situation where it's not being done for the joy of his career the whole focus of that is going to be on his last moments i don't i know that there will be many people out there people like chris jericho people like uh, like chavo people like you know people who were close to him and who knew him and who loved him people like kurt who would happily give a eulogy there and then but as a company to almost validate that action and to say, you know what, whatever you do, however bad it is, we're going to let you into this, you know, sacred space to celebrate you for the rest of time, to immortalize you in our record books and our history books. I don't think I can separate those two. And the extreme example of comparison I always wanted to say was, <laughs> and it's not a fair comparison whatsoever but it's the only one that kind of came to my head Adolf Hitler was an artist he painted what some people have called you know quite quite nice pieces of art quite quite adept pieces of art he was an artist he created a piece of art he was still responsible for millions of people's death he was still responsible for a regime which marginalized people for reasons that they couldn't control. But he did good pictures, though. If I was then to buy Hitler's collection and put a gallery exhibition out and say, hey, this is from this guy, Adolf Hitler, I feel like I'd be at fault then. Because I'd be celebrating the man and not the art. Because you can't separate, and especially something like wrestling, where the art is you, almost. Like, how do you separate that? I don't think that it's fair that he won't go in there for his achievements. But I also think it's very fair that he doesn't go in because of the final moments of his and his family's life. That's basically my whole thing on it so the answer is flat no like but 
I feel like I had to explain it mainly because people get bogged down in the details of what isn't a very simple argument and everyone's going to have a different opinion and everyone will have those opinions based on a different route. That's just my route. I didn't know the man. I didn't know the man other than the projection that I saw on the screen every week. That's all I knew of him. So I can't give you a real inside of his mind or inside of his life situation. Just from what I can see, I saw a celebrity commit a crime and afterwards people want to celebrate his life. I don't agree with that. That's that's that that's my that's my whole deal on it. Stephen? <sighs> okay, I'm going to try to see if I can get through this without getting emotional. Um, he, he, Chris Benoit was my, one of my favorites. I watched him during his time at WCW. I watched him as the Pegasus Kid in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um... Whenever I got a chance to actually see it, because we didn't have YouTube at the time, so anybody who actually had a clip of his matches as the Pegasus Kid in New Japan, I would watch it. Now that I have the uh, New Japan Pro World uh, subscription, I can actually look him up and watch some of his matches, which was like amazing against the Pegasus Kid. And then coming to the WWE uh, as part of the Radicals, uh, he was truly one of my fans. His ring work was amazing he was probably the best skilled technical aerial tactical wrestler ever ever i put i put his career against anybody out there and i say challenge me who's the better wrestler <laughs> and i will have an argument for it does he deserve to be in a hall of fame Based on his accomplishments, yes. Do I see the WWE as a publicly traded company putting somebody in there without keeping in mind about the history that took place in his final moments? Unfortunately, the answer to that is going to be no. However... And people can actually speculate and we can go back and forth on this, but look at uh, look at the, the late Jimmy Superfly Snooker and the conspiracy that's been going around him on Nancy Argentino's death and this, the science of domestic abuse. And the fact that she lacked oxygen going to her head, which is consistent with a chokehold, and and all of this, and he was mentioned to be a part of the Hall of Fame. Uh, here I'm playing devil's advocate. Okay, you have somebody who's in there in the Hall of Fame that has that piece of history attached to his name. Of possibly murdering this particular person. There is no proof he was acquitted after many, many, many years. But that 
is Jimmy Snuka's legacy. Not well, not the fact that he was a great wrestler, not the history of lineage that he had to provide now in the WWE. But the first thing you do when you pull up Jimmy Jimmy Superfly Snuka, what is it? It's that death. Nancy Argentino's death. If it's not number one, it's definitely number two. It's one of the top five hits. If it's yeah. not the week, if it's not the Wikipedia thing. Well, so you could you could play both sides in the thing, and you could say yes, there is proof that Chris Benoit did in fact do this horrible, horrible, horrible crime. But you can still acknowledge his accomplishments in the ring because. Oh, in the long run, the Hall of Fame is based off of the accomplishments of the organization that they were established in. Mm. Not their personal history at home. And Again, on top of a public, publicly traded company, I do not think that he'll ever, uh, unless Vince McMahon dies and uh, Kevin Dunn dies, Mark Carano dies, and that other fuckhead of a writer dies in the back, and then you have Triple H coming in and like saying, you know what, let's think about this. Let's honor him the way that he should be honored, especially now that his son is wrestling more on the scene. That's more what I was going to kind of bring you to. I was going to say, if you had a Hall of Fame ceremony and you brought someone out that looks shockingly like his father... Like not mm-hmm. just a little bit, but no, like it's like it's like an identical image. replica. Yeah, like spitting image, and you have that person in the crowd. Like he's already finding it hard to get jobs in places. Like he visited. There was a picture of him visiting Natalia backstage because, of course, they're all tight, aren't they? Because yeah, they're all tight. They're all family. They're all family, aren't they? They're all family up from the the dungeon, Stu Hart's dungeon. So. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's there's an argument that, for example, Owen, like the whole Owen situation, yeah, like that's a separate situation which is based more on business and you know, like not biz, not just business, but possibly also like family pride, like. But this is quite a cut and dried affair because David. David Benoit wants to take, use the name Benoit, mm-hmm. the name that his father built up. Unfortunately, like, and I think that's the major thing, like, you can build up something all the way to the top, but then it's really, really easy to slide back down. And, like, with someone like David Benoit, when you literally look like the person that they are airbrushing out of history, like, you can't be there, you can't be in the WWE, it doesn't matter how many, it doesn't matter. So I have a video on YouTube, yeah, and it's like one of my top ever viewed videos, yeah, it's ridiculous numbers. It's one of the first videos I ever did, and it's top 10 wrestlers who murdered someone. Number one, obviously, is Chris Benoit. Now, that video gets, like, stupid hits. So if I was just searching for the name Benoit on the internet, 
just the name Benoit. Let's say I didn't even know that David was his first name. I just know it's something Benoit. If I search for Benoit wrestler on the internet, I'm going to get a guy that looks shockingly like the guy that's on TV right now. And apparently he killed his son and now his son's on TV. So now I'm needing to do some more digging to understand what this all means. You've just given someone like a gateway into hating your company or hating the product immediately on seeing that person. Like it's not his fault. Like it's not his fault that he looks that his dad had good genes and he looks exactly like his dad, but that will always go against him. Mm -hmm. And like he could he could flip it he could he could wear a mask his whole career like maybe do it that way maybe just literally start again but he will always and he'll always want to honor his father as well won't he you know like i think kurt said it somewhere talked about david benoit and everyone was sorry about chris benoit and everyone was a bit like and i'm like yeah because he's still someone that they travel the roads with and he's a he's just a really hard person to kind of even put within wrestling wrestling's so it's such a facade it's such like it's such a it's a fakery it's a it's an imaginary world and when something that real happens and it's something that it's it takes away from like the fantasy element and from the like from from the whole of professional wrestling and i think every like even now we're talking about chris benoit and it's like you know every other one of these is like you know we can have a bit of a laugh and a joke with it with this one we can't only because it's such an emotive issue for so many people like i i said i kind of stopped watching wrestling for a bit because I felt guilty about like watching the show, like because I was like, yeah. Every time someone takes like a headshot, I'd like wince and stuff, and I'd be like, I don't know what's happening, you know. And then the Nowinski Foundation happened afterwards. Benoit's death changed professional wrestling massively. If it wasn't if it wasn't for his death, really, we wouldn't have the the wellness policy. Wouldn't have any of that. So his any if it wasn't if it wasn't him probably would have at the time that they were running that you know like both those guys were running there was a story that i remember from around the time um and it was from uh what was his name mohammed hassan's davari davari so davari was talking about when he was in the united kingdom and i was actually saw them on this tour but he was on the he was on the tour and kurt angle and uh benoit went to go and train and they wake up like six o'clock. They're training in the gym really, really hard. And Davari's like, can I train with you guys? And they're like, of course you can. So he's training with them. And he's training with Benoit and Angle. So he's training like hardcore. He's training, training, he's training, he's training. At some point, he can't take it anymore. And he's like, I need to go. I'm really sorry, guys. I need to go. He goes and he starts pissing blood. He starts actually like goes to that. And he's like, oh my God, I don't know what's happened. He trained so hard that he didn't realize because he tried to keep up with those guys. They were already at the edge of what they could probably handle. And, you know, it was Angle, if he hadn't left WWE at that time, would have become another statistic. Luckily, he went to TNA and kind of 
just about got away with it. But in the WWE, he would have wanted to be up there every single night, putting on the same performance. At least in TNA, got a bit of a break. It's a, it's a sad situation, like, that the name Benoit is now, like, you know, like, I look back at some old footage. Like, I went to a show when Benoit was champion, when Benoit tapped out uh, Triple H. And, like, it was great. Everyone loved Benoit. One of my one of my best mates, he was like the biggest Chris Benoit fan of all time. And very similar to your situation, Steve, like when when it happened, it's like shit. Like I, like it's hard to like really conflicting seri- like feeling. And I think that's what's gonna happen with David Benoit. Like the newer fans probably won't know that much about Benoit, so they might take him almost on face value, but if we've learned anything from the fabulous Moolah thing, all it takes is two people to Google something, and there's a there's a change.org up in like two minutes. So like, so well, run out of breath. Then. Going off that, what I want to do, I want to see if I can not so much change your mind, but give you a different perspective. Now, it was also said that um, with his death, his brain was examined in the autopsy, and he had a brain of a 70 year old man with alzheimer's or whatever it was they diagnosed him with mm-hmm. so they've also said at the time he wouldn't have been in the right frame of mind that he was mentally ill now one of your hall of famers ironically enough scott hall of famer aka razor ramon in 1983 outside of a nightclub he got into a fight with a man who pulled a gun on him aiming it at scott hall and then Hall eventually got a hold of the gun after wrestling with the man and shot him point blank in the head. Obviously, the man died, but Scott wasn't charged with the second degree murder due to the lack of evidence. But in a now famous interview he gave to um, ESPN, he's actually admitted to killing the guy. Mm-hmm. So the difference yeah. between him and Benoit is. Scott Hall was in the right frame of mind, maybe a little intoxicated. But if he's more of in a right frame of mind, still killed a man and got into the Hall of Fame, couldn't it be argued, well, Benoit wasn't in the right frame of mind, he was mentally ill. He's, yes, it was unfortunate of what happened, who he killed, what he did. But when people are that sick and that ill, when they're not diagnosed, like it wasn't his fault he wasn't properly diagnosed. He probably didn't know he was that sick. Mm-hmm. No one picked up on it. So can you really blame the guy for having an illness take control of his body the way it did? No, definitely not. And then Be- punish Benoit for something that Scott Hall's getting ignored for. Let, let me let me t- let me turn it around a little bit of the to to this point. Um, I did I did see that same report from Nowitzki, and the same thing the same show on ESPN where Scott admitted to actually killing to the killing the guy. Would we be saying the same thing if Scott Hall shot a child? In his friend mind, I don't. I don't even. I, don't I think even the think reason. It's I think the reason because 
it's such an issue as it is right now. They're forgetting the fact that the research was actually done on Chris Benoit's brain and that he wasn't in the frame of mind. And they're they're clearly, clearly neglecting that. And in that the fact that a child was involved, and again, once again, this is a publicly traded company, the fact that a child was involved there could put a huge, huge damper on the fact to ever bringing him in at all. Meanwhile, the argument could have been made with Scott Hall. Well, he was defending himself. It was self-defense. And no children were harmed in the whole fiasco of that. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm not saying that it was absolutely wrong. I totally agree. Scott Hall should have never gotten in there. Or if he's off of that, I think you're. I think you're. I think. I think what you said, Stephen, there is the the fact that that it's not the child being involved. I don't think that's it. I think it's more the the situation and the and the actual crime. If Scott Hall had seen that guy, tracked him, no, followed him to his car and tried to mug him or he didn't he was drunk and he said something to him and he followed him to his car shot him point blank um that's a different story from what i remember of that story scott hall was like a bouncer and this guy just came around a few times this time he was like i'm not having any of it guy pulls a gun scott hall as as he says self-defense that's a different crime and that's a crime that happened years and years ago. And again, I'm not putting a statute of limitations on this. I'm just saying that it's the difference of the crime. With the the Chris Benoit thing, from all of the evidence and the general kind of working and backtracking of what happened in an actual crime, he had some time to think about that. Yes, he may not have been in the right frame of mind, but it was. it's how do you present that to an audience? Like, how do you present that to, uh, as you say, a publicly traded company? How do you explain to your board that you are going to honor someone who, with Scott Hall, it's different. Scott Hall's story, it's almost the flaws and the things that he did wrong in his story enrich and make him more worthy of his Hall of Fame. Like, you know, he was dying, the guy was dead. And he went and saw DDP, DDP sorted him out, you know, and now, yeah, he's had a few wobbles here and there, like, but other than that, he has, he's pretty much stone cold sober, turned his life around, and he's a different person. If Chris Benoit had done what he'd done and not killed himself, we wouldn't be having the same conversation because that man would be in prison. He, unfortunately, Fortunately for him, but unfortunately for anyone that would have been seeking any kind of justice, didn't survive. So there is no, you know, there's no way that you can get him to answer for his crimes. Like, if he was alive, he would never go in. Like, million percent. Like, there's no way you could have explained that way, even if it was found. Because... This was only found after he was dead and autopsies were done on his brain tissue. But, Mm -hmm. you know, and part of 
the Benoit thing was the Nowinski Foundation being able to figure out, you know, some of the impact um, uh, concussion training that can happen, like some of the issues, some of the effects and where they can come from and everything. Like, if anything, Benoit's death actually helped that. But if Benoit was alive, this would not be happening. Scott Hall's one happened. Self-defense. He's acquitted. That's it. You know, he's not acquitted. Yeah, sorry, he's acquitted. He's out. Like the um, the snooker thing. Yeah, the charges thing, were dropped. But... Yeah, the snooker thing. I again looking into it for this video that I did way back when. Like the family of Nancy were very adamant that he had done something. There were there was you know evidence of domestic abuse, and at the end of the day, it's whatever happened to those two people in that room. But from what it looks like, it was more likely that something had happened. Snooker was acquitted for mental incapacitability. All right. Incapacitated, there you go. For being mentally incapacitated because of his age. So they didn't acquit him because there wasn't enough evidence. It's just that he could not stand trial. And it was because they were brought so late down in the game. Um, but his daughter suffered from that. I mean, Tamina Snooker stopped being Tamina Snooker for a while and started being Tamina and then stopped being on TV. Whereas yeah. it could have been, that you know, because they tried to give her like the Snooker drop and everything and then they just slowly edged away from it as those kind of reports started coming out. Um, it's that whole sins of the father, like, and there are so many generational wrestlers now that, you know, maybe their their pops did something bad. Like, I look at Cornette now. I look at oh, Cornette as someone gosh. that... Yeah, exactly. I look at Cornette, and I think he's the last. He's the last of them. Like, he is the last bastion. It's like him and Vince. Like, that's it, yeah. Like, the last, like, real shit talkers. The last, like, real, like, they have their own viewpoint, and that's it. Are we sure he's not related to DJ Storms? <laughs> no, Cornette's successful. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, so the whole DJ... And that's what I mean, like, building that whole kind of brand, that, like, being an asshole brand, like, it, it's not a brand. It's just being an asshole. And, like, I think that with, like, someone like Cornette, He'll be the last one to be able to maybe look at a situation and Vince as well. But when they're gone, everything else is going to be very for the board, I feel. Very for the like, oh, we're going to do this to impress the board of directors. We're going to do this to impress the stockholders. Right now, the WWE is just one guy, one guy that on a on a cold night in Saudi Arabia can make a decision that will piss off 99% of, or 95.95% of Twitter. Um, but like, it's just, I am, I'm quite, I feel bad for any, any child that has to take on the responsibilities of a parent that has done something she like, cause it's hard. And in wrestling names are built, you know, Cody Rhodes took away the Rhodes name, became Cody to try and branch out on his own. And he did that successfully. Wouldn't have helped if he looked like, you know, a double murderer 
suicide mm. like wouldn't art have helped and so i i like i feel i feel for da- for david benoit i feel the worst for because according to every single one of the first reports that boy is dead and so you know even though they said daniel some people used to say david as well like literally thrown into it by you know and he survived and he's now taking on all the responsibility for what's happened. I hope, I really wish him well. Like, really wish of all the people out there, wrestlers, David Benoit, well, I hope that he tries, you know, and like someone takes a chance on him. But if he ever turns heel, like, could you, could you feasibly see David Benoit as a face or a heel? Like, can't be a sympathetic baby face. Because we all know his surname. Can't be a heel. That's why he could be a sympathetic babyface. Mm-hmm. Gone are the sympathy for getting rejected so many times. Mm-hmm. Who do you think if they do it right? What company do you think would have the balls to do it? Because that's I think that's what it is. It's which company would have the balls to do it. You'd have to go real independent with that and then slowly mm-hmm. work his way up. You'd be looking at something like Synergy, maybe. Hmm. Because like, I could see that, like, like a game-changer wrestling kind of match. You know, like, he would have to work his way. Like, what we were talking about David Arquette before, you'd have to kind of probably almost David Arquette his way back into it. Like, I just, I just don't see where, like... This, because... Because wrestlers are old school guys as well. So, you know, the first person that says to him, hey, you look kind of like... And not just that, but... Like, so right now, obviously, the Rock's daughter, Simone, um, is in the in the performance centre. Like, mm. like, could you see, like, David Benoit in the same class? Like, hey, who's your dad? Yeah. Hey, who's your dad? You look kind of famous. Oh yeah, my my dad's the Rock. Your dad's the Rock? Oh no way! Oh, you look kind of familiar. Who's your dad? Oh, it's uh, it's Chris Benoit. I hope he he isn't going to visit us like her dad did. Well, I mean, you could even make a really good heel out of um, David Benoit. You could get a real dark sort of character. Getting with a bit of psychotic traits and be like, oh, I'm starting to lose it. And then that would cause the controversy. Like, oh, you're taking the piss out of Chris Benoit's death. Don't know if he... Well, what did uh, Randy Orton have? It wasn't it like IAD? IED. Intermittent explosive Was it actually IEDs? 2009. Because I remember looking it up. Because I remember I used to go around the workplace claiming I had IED, but I didn't call it intermittent um, explosive disorder. I called it impulsive explosive disorder. I said I can snap at any moment. Because I loved playing the character at work. So you're like talking about characters, as you mentioned the, the DJ quite briefly. Like, that's the kind of person that I kind of equate to an Enzo. Or not as far as a Benoit, but like as an Enzo, as someone who could rehab themselves if they really wanted to, they really truly wanted to, they really truly believed in it. 
but until they do they're not really welcome anywhere i just think it's quite it's quite interesting that like uh someone like david benoit can can not be in wrestling because of his father anymore like i I would love to see i think aew if they really wanted to because i've seen them go really to the bone like in particular i think the one thing that really got me during the mjf cody feud was when mjf started ripping on cody for his lisp and i was like oh my god they're they're gonna go there i was like they're gonna really go there aren't they it's like no one's ever done that to cody before they did the same with Jack Swagger and his stutter. Yes. But like but like it's just amazing that they'd go that deep into it. Like so I think that like He's it's just such a great I, I, show, like is is an audience ready for that kind of gray area? Like and that's that's it maybe are the audience ready? It's a pretty big gray area. Mm. Well, I could tell you the U.S. is definitely prepared for the gray area. I mean, look at who we have for president. <laughs> no, that no, is a comment. huge gray fucking area right there. I was gonna say that's more like a huge orange area. Uh, ha, ha. Okay, you beat me to the point of punch. Damn it. <laughs> wait, there's wait, there's orange punch. Uh, like, <laughs> like, that was just, good. Like, right. I, you know what? Like, it's just the, I, I. There are so many. I know that. Like the, I just think that people would be offended very easily because I would feel of because even as like. I was thinking about this uh, to so today. I saw this message that like Google's twenty nine years old today, or something. Is it twenty nine years old? Something like that. It's older than that. However old it is, it's ridiculous. It's really old. Today. And I'm like, I remember. I remember, like when there was no real Google, and like you'd have to go to like Alta Vista, you'd ha- and you'd have to like search for a site, like a top site, and you'd go to like onewrestling.com because Apta was writing for it. So you're like, whatever. Anyway. I'd read like dirt sheets back then and I wouldn't care so much about the wrestlers. Nowadays I look at them in a totally different way and they're just actors to me. So mm-hmm. if an actor does something shitty, I'm always like like the the only actor and I always kind of compare it to this and I think like for me this is this is my easiest comparison. So um Roman Polanski made a movie uh, several movies he was accused and then found guilty but then later on there was some shenanigans with it of um, having sex with a minor now this happened in europe no it happened in america and then it happened just after like his wife had been viciously murdered so there was a lot of like so very similar so there was a lot of like he's not in the right frame of mind and stuff he moves to Europe, and he's in Europe forever. Like, basically, he's told if he ever comes back to the US, he will be arrested. Um, he then gets nominated for an Oscar, and it's like the massive, the massive question: Does Roman Polanski come back to the United States to accept an Oscar in a country which he's committed a crime, 
where theoretically he should be arrested straight away. If I remember correctly, he accepted it like from abroad. But it's a very, not as extreme, very similar situation to where the Academy seemed to think it was all right. So maybe the world is ready. Mm. Well, to add to that, I mean, take a look at this. Not a lot of people remember this, um, but everybody knows who Vergania is. I would hope that you guys know who Vergania is. Yes. I got mm. one yes. That means the other person yes. is probably Googling no. it right now. Yes. No, I was, I was, I'm drinking my coffee. I was like, mm-hmm. yes, Vern Gagne. Yeah, like he sure, was sure. I think, I, massive... I think what I heard there was click, 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 click. Let me pull this up so I don't sound like a... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> nah, so, so, okay, I, so funnily, enough, yeah, funnily enough, in this 10, in these 10 wrestlers who murdered someone, he's in there. That's why I know this one. But sorry, go uh-huh. on. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. Yeah, Vern Gagne is I, I, in I the Hall wrestlers. of Fame. He's definitely in the Hall of Fame. And he did murder. So he did kill somebody. Oh yeah. But oh yeah. And the old but, folks. But yeah, the nursing He home. was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, so he mm. did have a known condition, which then was like saying, you know what, because of his lack of mental capacity, needed to intentionally harm. Um, I think the person was uh, last name was Gutman Gutman, um, but it was in the old folks' home where he was at. Yeah. So if they've kept him in the fall of fame, knowing of a condition that he did have, and it's a known condition, Alzheimer's disease, and knowing what we know right now of Dave Benoit, the argument could be made to discuss the possibility of putting Chris Benoit in the future into the Hall of Fame based off of that. Yeah. But again, but again, in that situation, I think that's that's where like because this is because this is a very interesting topic like because that was Vern Garnier is already in the Hall of Fame at that point. He's in a nursing home essentially, and that that's I think where the similarities are between because you know Vince makes movies, doesn't he? These are his Oscars. Vince makes movies. This these some of these are your lifetime lifetime achievement awards. Some of these are thank you so much for a good show out there. You know, here's here's some here's a trophy that you can show around at conventions. Um, for some people obviously it means a hell of a lot. For some people, they're just like safe. I've got the extra bump in my in my appearance, you know. Um, but Vince, those are his Oscars. So if again, and this is then looking at the Oscars, in theory, should we now retroactively? go back through any film that Harvey Weinstein had any kind of business with and say, all right, well, that film doesn't deserve the Oscar because. And that's again, like it's, it's they're similar situations at the moment, but Harvey Weinstein has now been found guilty. So theoretically any film within the, the national library for Congress, any film that is under the banner of the Weinsteins should be pulled off the market in theory, because he had a hand in that. Like, you know, it's there's so many layers to this, but Hollywood mm-hmm. forg- forgets very quickly. That's what everyone forgets, yeah. And if the WWE is Vince's version of Hollywood, that's why he always says never say never. I think with Chris, it's the hardest sell ever. I think 
even the warrior was a hard sell and we got the warrior in come on mm-hmm. warrior years before then was i remember like not hearing about the warrior for so long and then hearing about um his infamous you know college speech and i the whole speech here when it happened because i was as i said i was madly into like the, the everything else about wrestling at that time not the wwe as much and my god like the stuff that he was saying but only a few years later with the right amount of money and the right kind of video package he was back in the graces and in the open arms of all of us for someone who talked about terminal diseases being like punishments he his name now is part of a fund to help kids with terminal dis- like it's all very it takes you back to that whole point where I was talking about with Steph philanthropy being the new PR like mm-hmm. it is but so, remember a lot of that also has to do with one person he doesn't get the credit that this guy deserves and that's Triple H Triple H was the voice of reason to get the conversations started again for the likes of Bruno for the likes of Warrior even trying to get Lanny Poffel to talk on behalf of uh, to, to bring in Macho. So Triple yeah. H has a lot actually. Like, so Triple H could also make that argument. Obviously not now, but in the future, because he Triple H is always about his research. He's the one who's recruiting people for NXT for crying out loud. He's the one who's telling his scout, I want you to go to such and such and so and so to take a look at this guy because Vince doesn't do that shit. Vince doesn't give a damn about any of that stuff. But Triple H does because this is all he's ever done. He's done wrestling. He's been a wrestler. Where Vince just bought the company off of his dad, took it over, but doesn't have a clue of who the hell Prince Devitt was. He had no freaking idea who Prince Devitt was. But Triple H did. He brought him in as Finn Balor. Vince mm. had no idea who the hell Kana was. Not a freaking clue. Yeah, Triple we will H never... did and brought her in as ex uh, Oscar. Said so he will have never seen a Gravure magazine before, so he wouldn't know who she was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we'll wrap this one up here. That's been quite the interesting topic and mm-hmm. such a fun podcast i want to thank both of you for coming on i do appreciate it obviously um steven for getting up at the crack of dawn for this thank you so much for that oh my pleasure and man val thank you for making time in between all your coding oh, that's cool i so yeah like so i'm writing scripts at the moment for new series and yeah i'm in the middle of trying to do something special for tonight i don't know if i'll get it all done i might have a version <laughs> of it um, right. But actually, when is this podcast going to go out? Actually, this won't go out till a bit later. So if it doesn't, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. But um, yeah, I'm gonna... trying to get. Oh, it'll be out on the 9th of March. Cool. So I'm trying to this evening. Yeah, if I can get it done in time, it will all depend on how quickly I can eat the pizza I'm about to order. But yeah, um, I'm trying to make sing along lyrics for um, Judas, so that when it happens in my live stream, I'll have a little bouncing ball of the lyrics. Nice. So, do you want to plug your podcasts and tell us where we can find you and tell us what's coming up and what we can look forward to and what to expect and all that good stuff? 
Yeah, man, Steve, go for it, man. I've been eating up this whole conversation, please. <laughs> sure, sure. So you guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at El Toro's Podcast. Very easy to find me. You can go on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash El Toro's Podcast. You can find the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and obviously iTunes and Google Podcasts. Anywhere you can find, feel free to drop me a line, send me a message. There's a few things going on. Uh, I really don't want to talk about too much, but I do have a few things coming up pretty soon. And hopefully, if I get more subscribers to join on YouTube, you can search for me on YouTube. It's just type in El Toro's podcast on YouTube. You're going to find uh, my logo there and you'll know it's me. Hopefully, think, uh, y- you'll see. You'll be surprised. And if you guys feel generous and want to buy a t-shirt go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash el toro's podcast and buy a t-shirt and what about you fal where can we find you so hello my name's fal original you can find me on twitter at fal underscore original you can also find me on youtube youtube.com slash fal original wrestling um i'm always on twitter doing stuff come find me on twitter um youtube wise though we do watch alongs for aew dynamite and all the major wwe pay-per-views and aew shows for example this is happening in the past now i'm doing a watch along in a few hours for aew's revolution and we also do giveaways with fight tv um check out my website actually fouloriginal.com i've started to put up blog articles um i'm just testing it so come check it out um and on youtube.com slash Fal Original Wrestling, I have a new series which has started, a weekly series, The Story of TNA. First episode dropped last week, be two weeks ago now. Um, first episode dropped, and that was The Birth of TNA. Second episode, which is coming up, is the story of the first episode of NWA TNA. And so you can check that all out Monday slash Tuesdays. But... Um, more stuff to come. Check out my YouTube um, and check out my website. I'm kind of re recalibrating over WrestleMania time. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, go follow El Toro and Val where they said. If you need to rewind to drop that all down, go rewind. But go give them the likes, subscribes. Go comment on their YouTubes. Go help them out on all that analytical stuff. It helps out everywhere and it does us all wonders, helps us get more viewers. You can find me at AussieLution on Twitter. I am also on Instagram and YouTube. Every Sunday night, I put out the Sunday night shout out where I'll go to a different location around Moranbah and I'll basically tell you of a podcast to go listen to and why you need to go listen to them. Um, you've got my podcast mining for mayhem which comes out every monday we've got um up and coming uh without giving too much away i've got a new segment coming up i won't give that away yet just keep an eye on out for that that is coming out on the 30th of march um i'm going to mckay which is a town about two hours away for the CQWA and QWA Super Show. I'm going to be 
recording this on YouTube, when I get in the ring and what I'm calling doing the Chris Van Vliet, I'm going to get one of the wrestlers to chop me. I'm not quite going to do 20, but we'll see how we go with that. Um, speed. Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs> I've also, like El Toro, got shirts. Um, I'm not on pro wrestling tees. I think that's what you said, Toro? That's correct. All right, so my one that you can get is like your basic stuff t-shirt wise but you can get that on bonfire.com and all the proceeds that um from that we raised from the shirts are going to um the saint vincent de paul foundation and we're gonna use that to raise money for the australian bushfires like yeah most of the bushfires are over by now but there's still a lot of rebuilding to do and helping animals out trying to give people places to go and food and all that good stuff. So come help us out there. Go like us on Twitter, follow us on um, YouTube and subscribe on Instagram. And I know I messed all that up and subscribe on YouTube, follow on Instagram and Twitter and do all the good stuff. Help us all out. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Foul, Stephen, thanks for coming on. Hope you've all had fun, and we will see you all next week. Uh.